This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 91 for Thursday, May 12th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right. Let's get into some housekeeping. There's a couple of things that I want to discuss. I also want to get a little bit into the monologue for this week and also our guest that will be joining us at 1130. But let's get the housekeeping out of the way first. Um, the My Take Radio forums have had a couple of changes. I added a lifestyle forum for, you know, just uh, talking about, like, things like the Maxim 100, clothes, food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those things are uh, not super crucial to the forum, but I just think that some people wanted a little bit of a more miscellaneous type of a hangout, and with that, they now have it in that forum. If you are a forum member and you would like to see other topics discussed or you feel that other listeners and members would benefit from other topics, by all means, feel free to drop me a line and let me know, and um, I will try and accommodate you as best as I can. Also, we put up some new posts this week. There is a post regarding the new Need for Speed Unbound, not Need for Speed Unbound, excuse me, Ridge Racer Unbound, but you know what? Considering how it looked, it's pretty much exactly like Need for Speed. Um, In addition to that, I shared the pre-order exclusives for Infamous 2, which, again, I'm not totally a fan of. You can check that stuff out on MyTakeRadio.com. There's also going to be a couple of other articles going up within the next couple of days talking about a few different things. Um, The review for Thor went up this week, and I actually want to touch on that in the opening monologue this week. Also, there will be a review for Stakeland, which was a movie I got to see um, a screening of a couple of weeks back. If I'm stuttering a lot, it's because I'm feeling a little dry, so I'm trying to take drinks of water without making it sound totally obnoxious on the microphone, so I apologize if I stutter a bit. So there will be a Stakeland review probably this weekend, so be on the lookout for that. If you are on Get Glue, you can now check into My Take Radio. Just go over to GetGlue.com and punch up My Take Radio, and you'll be able to check in. I actually sent them a tweet today because my take radio is listed as a tv show and while i would love to be a tv show and be able to actually bring the war to g4 unfortunately we are not there yet but i'm going to figure out where we should be listed i'm thinking possibly music or possibly under 
celebrity, which I don't know if that even falls under that, but I will be ironing that out with Get Glue in the coming days, and I will keep you guys abreast of the situation. Our T-shirts, I've been talking to a couple of artists that for the time being shall remain nameless regarding different designs for the My Take Radio T-shirts and other clothing options that we're going to be offering. And um, I think I've come up with a great solution, and all the artists involved are going to get the opportunity to shine. Um, You guys are going to see some really great things from some really talented individuals, so be on the lookout for that. Hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be able to do that. Nonetheless, our guest this evening, we actually are going to be joined by three guests. I'm going to be joined by Stephen from Unveil NYC. He's the captain of Team Unveil and also the founder of the digital production company Unveil NYC. So he'll be joining us, as will Alex Goldenboy Mendez. He's the captain of Another Level, which is another competitive gaming team. Uh, this one focuses on Call of Duty Black Ops. In addition, I'll be joined by Robski, uh, who does Robski TV. You've probably seen videos on the Facebook fan page. But in addition to that, he's also a Call of Duty Black Ops competitive gamer. He's a photographer on the gaming circuit, and he used to work for MLG as well. And he is sponsored by Unveil. And we're just going to – I'm bringing these guys on not only to spotlight the competitive gaming community, but also to kind of give us a little bit more of of an insight into what the – competitive gaming community is all about most of the time it's you know you see these guys with their you know fancy controllers fancy joysticks all these little sponsorship stickers and i know a lot of people like oh you know what the fuck does that guy think he is special or something with all his cool shit and i know that there's more to it than just going around the country playing games and competing competitively i know that there's a huge market for that there's tons of sponsorship opportunities there's also a lot of stigma that goes with being a competitive gamer and i've heard from a few people one person i heard from today um definitely voiced his displeasure with that particular community only because he feels that you know that they're 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 douches and you know what i've met a couple of competitive gamers um that are a little bit hype on themselves only because of what they're involved in but i really would like to get insight into guys that have been in the, in the industry. Um, like I said, Golden Boy, I had the privilege of meeting during the Dual Shockers event. Besides him providing color commentary for gaming, he is also a gaming personality, and he plays competitively. And one of the nicest, most down-to-earth guys I've met, um, Robski does Robski TV on YouTube, spotlighting a lot of great stuff with tech and gaming. Uh, really cool dude, really approachable. He was very open to being on the show. And uh, Stephen from Unveil NYC, who sponsors Robski and a couple of other gamers, definitely wanted to come on and share um, a little bit of insight, not only into what he does, but also into competitive gaming. So they will all be joining us at 1130. Um, like I said, I'm super excited because I have a lot of questions. I'm curious about a lot of shit, especially how it works with sponsorships, how how it's broken down into being considered a competitive gamer, like what kind of leagues do you have to be involved in, are there qualifiers, just a, a lot of questions because I know for a fact that there might be some of you guys that are listening that might be into that, that might want to game competitively, that might consider themselves good enough to hang with the pros. I mean, a lot of the listeners, they play a lot of Street Fighter, and we see, we, you know, I see a lot of videos posted uh, on Facebook and stuff with some competitive Street Fighter matches. And 
there's a lot of guys that I know that say, hey, man, you know, I can take, you know, Justin Wong or I can take uh, Daigo in a match. And I've played a lot of guys that are really fucking good. And it's funny because one of our one of our staffers and a friend of mine and a listener of the show, Bronx, said, you know, you can consider yourself the best street fighter player on the block until you start playing a couple of other people out there. And sometimes you realize you're not that good. And that's the interesting thing about competitive gaming, that it there is that possibility that you may be the best at Call of Duty and you may have prestiged, uh, you know, a hundred times, but you may get in there and get taken out by a guy who gets paid to do this. It's it's definitely going to be interesting for sure, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, Slick brought to my attention that My Take Radio isn't, can't be found on Get Glue via search. Did not know that. If you follow me or Slick or anybody else, you can check in that way. If you're on Facebook, just head over to our Facebook fan page, and I actually added a check-in button. Or if you're on MyTakeRadio.com, you can check in through MyTakeRadio.com as well. Those are all avenues from which you can check in. I, I got a couple of questions regarding stickers for Get Glue. I have no information with that regarding that as of yet, but I will keep you guys posted. Our apps, of course, are available on iTunes and in the Android Marketplace. They're $1.99. Forgo a cappuccino for a day or two. Lent your support to MTR. You can get the apps on either one of your devices, on your iPhones or any of your Android devices. You're going to get access to exclusive content. We're going to start adding more stuff beginning next week with um, with an interview that I'm not, I'm not going to announce now. I'll probably announce it later on this week, well, or early next week, just until everything is confirmed. And there's going to be a lot of special interviews and subject matter that are going to be dedicated strictly to the app. And the only way you'll be able to access that is if you are subscribing via iTunes or if you are uh, if you own the app either on an iPhone or an Android device. It's just the way it is. There's not going to be any posts on the site about it. It's going to be a mention on the fan page and just a, a, an avenue to keep some of that stuff exclusive. Not that I don't like giving you guys access to this stuff, but the apps are there for a reason, and the people that paid for it are entitled to exclusive content. There are going to be some more Minority Film Reports. Slick actually did a new one, which should be up hopefully this weekend once I iron out a couple of things with Libsyn, so be on the lookout for that. And next week, right before we head over to the Big Apple Comic Con that weekend, we're going to be joined by the Hip Hop Gamer for the 19th episode. That's going to be episode um, for the episode for May 19th, and that's going to be our 92nd episode. And, of course, that week we will be covering the Big Apple Comic Con You'll be seeing stuff from Slick, Andrea, myself, just over the course of the weekend, and I'm and I'm hearing that maybe some, one of our other staffers may show up. We'll see what the deal is with regards to that. Um, tons of pictures. We're going to try and do some audio. There's going to be some video. I know I've been slacking on the on the my take radio TV stuff, but I am going to get an HD webcam and start doing some video blogs, maybe some unboxings couple of things to give a little bit more content to that. And I have actually contemplated doing simulcasting either via Ustream or Justin TV or something like that while doing a live show. It's going to be really awkward and creepy if I have a uh, camera on while I'm doing the show. So I'm still debating whether I'm going to proceed that in that direction. But who knows? We'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But be on the lookout for all that exciting stuff. 
I did post an announcement on our Facebook fan page regarding My Take Radio and Voltron. All I'm going to say is there's a new Voltron cartoon coming, and My Take Radio is going to have some stuff pertaining to that in June. That's all I'm going to say. New Voltron cartoon, MTR is involved. We'll leave it at that. In some other guest news, though, we will be having the guys from The Deadliest Warrior back in July right before their uh, Season 3 premiere. That's some, some stuff in the pipe for July, and there's really exciting stuff that's going to be happening for June besides everything I just went over. But that's going to wrap it up. Now, for this week's you know little opening monologue, whatever, I actually, like I said earlier, I reviewed Thor, had the opportunity to go see it, and I will be frank with you guys, I consider Thor to be a completely lame fucking hero, period. His stupid little winged helmet and his stupid hammer. It, you know, I, I group him in there with Aquaman, the Submariner, the, the fucking Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, all all heroes that are complete, completely fucking lame. Oh, and Plastic Man. Plastic Man has to go in that in that group as well. Um but I was pleasantly surprised. I'll be 100% frank with you. I was really surprised. It was highly, highly enjoyable. Kenneth Branagh did a great job. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and review it. Just the overall experience was good. The movie was well done. The acting was solid from start to finish. Um, really great mesmerizing visuals. You weren't overloaded with action. And one thing I will tell you guys, stay after the fucking credits. Stay after the credits. I'm, I'm begging you guys. This happens all the time. As soon as the movie ended, everybody ran out. But I will tell you this. The theater was completely full. Half of the theater emptied out. The remaining half actually did their homework. And they were like, all right, let me fucking stick around. And, you know, they showed something really cool, which, of course, is leading up to the Avengers. But, again, you watch these Marvel flicks, stay after the credits, because you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. You know, right now we got Green Lantern coming out. We got X-Men First Class coming out. Transformers is coming out. It's, it's, it's a great time for, for summer movies. I'm, I'm 100% on the level when I tell you I hate going to the movies because I hate people. It's, um, and you probably ask yourselves, you do a show, you do all these events, how do you hate people? And I'll tell you why. Because people are a bunch of fucking assholes. And... They just either they don't respect your personal space, they don't respect the fact that you paid for an event, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can do a complete show about why I hate certain aspects of society, and you know that that would probably make a great show. But seriously, that's that's one of the things I actually have no issue in going this summer and dropping money to see certain movies in the theater because the experience in and of itself sometimes is good. And not only that, I want to help some of these movies succeed. Like, Thor is a movie that, unless you're a hardcore comic geek, you're probably going to look at it and be like, oh, this is going to be bullshit. You know, my fiance Andrea, she was one of the, one of the many that thought, oh, I'm gonna, I got to go sit through this shit with you. And she enjoyed Thor very much. So... That's you know that's an aspect uh, of of giving money to Hollywood that I, that I'm kind of cool with for the summer, especially because there's some there's some quality shit coming out that I'm really interested in seeing. And sure, you know you can download it illegally and wait for it to come out on Blu-ray and sit on your ass and watch it at home. But 
watching watching Thor on a big screen was was really cool. Anybody who paid to see that movie in 3D, I really didn't understand the logic in that because it didn't really seem to be filmed with the, with the with the style of requiring 3D. I, I think that was just a ploy once again by Hollywood to beat people over the head. And and that's one thing that that amuses me. You know, you go, you pay whatever 20 bucks for a ticket now and Sometimes the movies don't require, like Thor does not need 3D. IMAX definitely, because there's a lot of really big, grandiose moments in there, especially with the Destroyer that you can really appreciate on a huge screen. But overall, you know, read the review on MyTakeRadio.com. You guys can see for yourselves what I thought about the movie. But, you know, just, just on a, as a quick tease, it, it was good. All right? We got um, 15 minutes before our guests get in. I want to go into a little bit of the MMA news only because there's, uh, and I am going to jump around as is the case when I have guests, but um, some crazy shit happened in MMA, and I'm going to talk about the big story first. Let's get right into it. All right, so at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm sitting in front of my desk at work, and, you know, I have Twitter open, and I have a couple of things open while I'm working, and there was an announcement that Dana White was going to do a press conference at about 5 o'clock. So, you know, I'm like, fuck, you know, what can it be, especially because the UFC has their summit going on. So I thought maybe some Strike Force guys are switching over, maybe we're going to get some super fights, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that was not the case. Unfortunately, it was actually something very disheartening and unexpected, and it was the news that Brock Lesnar was uh, withdrawing from his fight with Shane Car uh, with Shane Carlin with uh, Junior Dos Santos at UFC 131 because he had his uh, condition of diverticulitis ended up returning. So really fucking bummed to hear that, and I've said it on countless episodes. I, and, and, you know, it's a bit of a rehash, but I got to share it with you guys. I met Brock Lesnar. He was a complete douchebag the day I met him. And, um, you know, it sullied my experience and, and my opinion of him. But I also know what it's like to strive to be a provider for your family, um, that, you know, if you go down, your family suffers because you go down. And to hear that he can't provide, not provide for his family, because I'm sure he's going to find other avenues until then, but the fact that his career is in jeopardy is really unfortunate. And he went to such great lengths to uh, get better from diverticulitis. He altered his, his diet completely, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody thought he was on the, on the fast track. But during the conference call today, you can just feel the, the disheartening the disheartened tone in his voice, and I, and I really felt bad for the dude. Like I said, um, when it comes to providing for your family, I can hate your fucking guts. I can hate you. But if you are a person that's, that's on the grind like the rest of us and is you know dependent on, on their job to provide a better living for their family and a better environment for their family, then you know I got, I got to empathize a bit, and it, it just really sucks. But... I just want to break down some of the some of the comments from the conference call. Like I said, Dana White announced that Brock was unable to fight Junior Dos Santos. Stepping in Brock's place will be Shane Carwin. Shane Carwin will be meeting uh, Junior Dos Santos at UFC 131. The winner of that fight will meet 
Cain Velasquez. Brock Lesnar right now is deciding if he's going to continue treating himself with antibiotics, which, by the way, he had been treating himself the entire time because it's either surgery or antibiotics. And he went with the antibiotics. He was in good shape when he fought Carwin. And then as, you know, as he continued to take the antibiotics, I guess they were taking their toll on him, as was the diverticulitis. I don't feel he was making excuses for his performance against Cain Velasquez, but he, you know, he wasn't at 100%, and he felt that he wasn't going to be able to be 100% for this fight in June. Excuse me. I respect I respect what he did, and it's huge. It's really big, uh, really big story, especially because you got the Ultimate Fighter going on right now, and that is very crucial because the payoff for every season of the Ultimate Fighter is the coach is fighting. It's a huge payoff. This is the second time it's happened where we don't get the coaches fight. The last time was with Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. This time now with Brock Lesnar and Junior Dos Santos. But a couple of questions are raised now. It's, you know, if he opts for the surgery, what kind of recovery time can he expect? Is it career-threatening? He went on record to state that he was not retiring, not to take this as him retiring because he wasn't going to do it because he said he loves this too much. Um, but it's it's interesting also because Shane Carwin was supposed to face um, John Olav Inemo at 131, but now – no opponent for that guy. Now, there, there's a couple of things being decided. Does he get a new opponent, or does he not even debut on this card? So a lot of questions are popping up regarding that. I will tell you that Shane Carwin and Dos Santos is a fight that is not going to the fucking judges. If you think for one solitary second that that fight's going to the judges, you're insane. Those, are, those guys are going to go in there, and somebody's getting decapitated, and their head's going to end up in, like, the fifth row. That's what's going to happen. Those guys are monstrous strikers, monstrous. If it does go to the ground, I think it'll be by accident, but somebody's going to catch dynamite to the face. And I'm, you know what? I, I'm excited for that fight, but, but again, you know, a part of me feels terrible for what's going on with Brock Lesnar. It's, it's like I said, highly unfortunate. And as somebody who, and, and I'll tell you, my diet was very similar to his, and and his condition was an eye-opener for me. You know, since I'm a gym rat and, you know, I, I, I like powerlifting and lifting heavyweight, I eat incredible amounts of, of protein. I kill, a, I kill a lot of animals. A lot of chickens end up on my plate. A lot of steak ends up on my plate, especially a lot of steak. You know, I've, I've gone and consumed, you know, 15 drumsticks in a sitting of chicken and, you know, protein and, and just consistently high amounts of protein and not enough fiber is one of the factors that leads to diverticulitis. And Brock Lesnar's situation, like I said, was an eye-opener for me because I'm like, fuck, I'm really not eating enough fucking vegetables. I really should be eating them, especially because much like him, I'm going out there and, you know, I'll go to Bear Burger in Astoria and eat an elk burger or an ostrich burger or a bison burger. No, I, I have no problem doing that. Frog legs, no sweat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If it lived and it's dead, it's going to end up on my plate. Rabbit, I, I don't discriminate. The only thing I don't eat are organ meats. But everything else, fair game. And, again, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. UFC 131 is not taking a hit because it's still going to be a badass card, 
and Junior Dos Santos and Shane Carwin will definitely deliver. What happens with Inemo, like I said, who knows? But come June 11th, we're going to find out who gets to meet Cain Velasquez. I, I can tell you right now that Cain Velasquez and Shane Carwin would be a monstrous fight. If, if Shane Carwin gets past Junior Dos Santos, Carwin and, and Velasquez would be ridiculous. Ugh. Again, I'm bummed, and you, I'll keep you guys informed if things change, but I know he'll probably be deciding this week what's going to happen. And like I said, I'll give you um, one of the statements that he said during the conference call. He said the following. I'll tell you guys one thing. I'm not retiring. This isn't the end of my career. This is something that I believe in my strong faith that there's a solution to every problem. I just have to find the right solution to fix this problem. It didn't allow me to train to my full capabilities. I was forced to make a decision to go back down to the doctor this week to figure out how this thing was, was coming along. What it does is it's dra it drains my entire body down. Basically, you've got an infection in your stomach, and all my resources went to fight this problem instead of rebuilding what I tore down in the gym. It's not as serious as last time. I just didn't, it just didn't allow me to train for the way I needed to train for a number one contender's bout. I'm forced with the decision to either have surgery or deal with this for the rest of my life. A lot of things go through your mind as an athlete, especially myself. This is something that has been wearing on me for about a month. That's what's so frustrating about this. I've been doing all the right things, so I thought that's what's very depressing about this, and I'm really, really angry about it. I wanted more than anything to fight Junior Dos Santos and to win that fight and get a shot at Kane. I want nothing more than that, but more importantly, my health and my family are more important. Let's keep things in perspective. Like I said, I can't, I can't be mad at the dude for that. And I respect his decision. And um, while I'm while I'm in that with the with it, discussing the UFC, I gotta bring up uh, another guy who's almost always in some of our MMA news, and that's good old Chael Sonnen. As you all know, Chael Sonnen's suspension was over. He had met his he had met his requirements for a suspension, but guess what? Chael Sonnen's fighting license has been indefinitely suspended in the state of California. The California State Athletic Commission indefinitely suspended Sonnen's license due to his federal conviction for money laundering, as well as, quote-unquote, providing false testimony during an appeal hearing held in December. Sonnen and his reps, of course, are going to appeal this decision, and they will be appearing before the commission May 18th in Los Angeles. This is um, a statement from... CSAC Executive Director George Dodd, the commission wants to review his testimony and they felt they need to suspend his license because they felt that there were some false testimony elements given to the athletic commission when he appeared here back in December. He said, in doing so, Chael can come and explain himself. Obviously, there were comments made during that commission meeting that have come up to be false, so we're going to review those as well. Again, it's it's like fuck Chael. You know, you're a great fighter. You're a, you're a, you're a psychopath. Why do you why do you get yourself caught up in some of the craziest shit? It's like you got suspended for performance enhancing drugs. They put you on the shelf for that. But then you had to go and get bagged for money laundering. And Dana White had to you know suspend your contract. Way too much too much shit going on for a guy who's who's really entertaining to watch. Not not only just as a fighter, but as a person who hypes fights. He's really good at his job, and I, I, again, it's I'm sad just because I like Chael Sonnen. I like that energy that he brings to matches. It's not just 
oh, I respect this guy, and he's a great athlete, and I'm a great athlete, and we're going to test each other. It's like, you know, fuck this guy. I'm going to punch him in the face. If you watch his his build for his fight with Anderson Silva, you you it made me want to buy the fight. Like, that's how crazy it was. The buildup for that fight was solely on Chael Sonnen's shoulders. He went in there. He's like, look, I'm going to punch Anderson Silva in the face. He lies about fucking speaking English. His shirts are fruity looking. He sucks. Blah, 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 blah. And that actually made me want to drop $60 on the card just because he said, I'm going to go in there and punch this guy in the face for five rounds. And as soon as that bell rang, the man delivered. So we'll see what happens with Chael Sonnen, and I will keep you guys informed with that. I've also just been informed that one of our panel members, Golden Boy, is here, and we are going to be bringing him in, and I believe Rosky is also on the line. So if you give me a second, I will bring them in, and also I will uh, pull up my notes because, I got, like I said, I have, I have questions. Hopefully they will have answers, and I, I, promise, I promise I won't beat them up too much because that's, uh, that's actually one of the things that I was told, uh, that I tend to beat up certain guests, especially from the gaming community, and that is not totally true. So you know, I, I, will, uh, I will definitely ask the right questions, but also keep, these, keep the, uh, the information flowing freely so you guys can get a good understanding of what these guys do. Why is my switchboard not refreshing? Let's see why. Oh, I see. I believe that uh, Slick is probably screening them, so I will wait for Slick to finish. But um, until then, I will touch on a few other things. I did also want to go into this weekend's Bellator card, which is completely solid. If you're not watching Bellator on MTV2 on Saturdays, you're missing some great MMA. Um, this weekend, they're going to be coming from New Jersey's Caesars in Atlantic City. The main card has Hector Lombard and uh, Falanico Vital. That's a non-title fight. And then Michael Chandler and uh, Patricky Pitbull. I always fuck up this guy's name. I believe it's Freyer is also on that. That's a lightweight tournament final Brett Cooper and Alexander Schneiko are on there. Brian Goldsby and Anthony Morrison. That's a bantamweight tournament fight, uh, bantamweight tournament qualifier. And on the prelims, Jeff Lentz is on there. Jay Silva's also on that on that card, and Sam Oropesa is as well. I'm surprised that Sam Oropesa's fight against Caravacas didn't make it on the main card. But no joke, man. You guys need to check that shit out on MTV too. Bellator is a great promotion, a uh, great alternative promotion to UFC and Strike Force. They got a really great format. They got a ton of talented fighters. And especially, you got to check out Hector Lombard fighting. This guy is a beast. So definitely keep an eye out for Hector Lombard. And that's going to be this Saturday on MTV2. And that's Bellator 44. All right. I think Slick seems to have everything squared away. And we're going to bring everybody in. We'll start with Golden Boy first. Alex, what's going on, dude? Hey, man. How you feeling? I'm good, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. No, no thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. I was digging the MMA talk, dude. It was definitely uh, educational. Yeah, the the MMA is usually what I open with. There's a there's a ton of stuff going on in there. You're one of the first few guys out of the gaming community that 
that was like, wow, you know, I'm actually learning something. I get, I usually get a lot of hate, not a lot of hate, but definitely a lot of guys that wait to tune in later on for the gaming segment. So that's actually very cool to hear. Oh yeah, no, I mean, um, it's funny because my brother-in-law, he's uh, he's so big in MMA. He actually educates me about it. So then, um, when (laughs) whenever like the UFC events come on, I'm like, who's that? Like, actually, my favorite fighters right now in UFC because those are the only ones I really catch. Um, my favorite fighters right now is uh, Clay Guida and uh, GSP. Those are those are my favorites right now. Yeah, Clay Clay Guida is awesome. I've I've seen him called Blanca from Street Fighter um, on multiple <laughs> occasions because he bounces around so much, which is which is a very funny and apropos video game reference and and a good guy to be a fan of because his fights are always exciting. Oh yeah, of course, of course. But uh, but yeah, I'm definitely digging the show, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I'm going to bring Rob on. Rob, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're, uh, Slick was telling me that you were a little choppy. Is, uh, is that your cell phone? Uh, it's my Skype. Probably my internet connection's messed up. Do I still sound choppy? Or? You still sound a little choppy. If it gets if it gets too crazy, I'll tell you to, to dial back in. But... um. I know I know that Steve from Unveil was supposed to be joining us as well, but I, I'll start with with Golden Boy first. You know, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. You know, what you do and what organizations you represent on the competitive gaming circuit. Okay, well, um, for one, uh, right now I represent myself. Um, I am a I'm a part of a four man squad. Uh, we're called uh, Another Level, and uh, we're going to be competing on the MLG Pro Circuit. Our debut will be in Columbus, uh, June 3rd through the 5th, and Rob Ski is our coach for that event. And um, he, uh, you know, and, and one thing that I did want to shed light on was uh, about coaching, um, because coaching is something that's very new to competitive gaming. And, uh, well, not I shouldn't say very new, but it, it was definitely something made popular in Halo. And now all the other uh, games are, like, really trying to pick it up. Like, especially Call of Duty, they have a lot of people that are becoming coaches now. And, you know, and it's such an important role. So I just wanted to let everyone know that Rob may be our coach, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. And uh, <laughs> so just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I used to be a part of The Last Resistance. Uh, actually, when I first met you, uh, Rich, who I was in, uh, TLR at that time uh, representing them, but you know I still have nothing but respect for those guys in TLR and uh, what they do. But yeah, right now it's just the LVL is uh, the the acronym is the team that I represent, and um, I've been competing for around seven or so years now uh, in various different games. Um, my more successful game was Shadowrun, uh, where that had a brief stint on the MLG Pro Circuit. Um, I started out with Call of Duty 2. Uh, like every, like a lot of people, just doing uh, game battles matches just for the love of it. And uh, then from there, I kind of took a little hiatus. But uh, I came back big with Reach and uh, TLR. And then I transitioned over to Black Ops, where I feel pretty comfortable uh, playing this game. So that's a little bit about me. I do other things, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? It, I want to I go back to that. What got you involved in, in going on the competitive circuit? You know, what was what was the motivating factor? Because anybody can say, hey, I play Call of Duty and I'm really good and, you know, I can whoop everybody's ass. What was what was the factor that pushed you in that direction? Well, I would say that 
I used to compete in football. I was a football player back in high school, and I got hurt really bad. Um, and I have this drive to compete. Like, I love kicking the snot out of another person, whether it be in virtual reality or maybe in real life. Who knows? No, no, I'm joking. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, definitely I, I love to compete. I love the thrill of competition. It, it's always amazing. So I, my brother bought me Halo 2 and uh, and an Xbox. And from there, I kind of just kept on going. Because, I mean, I spent a large portion of my video game life playing RPG games on PS1, like 90% of the kids in the 90s. Like, that is, like, what I did. You know, I, like, I had every RPG that came out on the PS1, and I played it for God knows how long. It was the only games I bought. And then my brother bought me Halo, and... I would say that that probably changed me. And then, you know, I used to dabble on, like, PC games with my brother as well. We used to play uh, Doom and um, and Quake, uh, a few other, like, Unreal Tournament, uh, a few other games like that. But it was Halo that really, like, pushed me into, like, competing. I joined a clan. I was, like, the leader of this clan. I'm, like, a 13-year-old kid leading, like, 30-year-old dudes. Like, it was so funny. But it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a, a life-changing experience just, playing Halo 2 for that first time online. So that that was, like, what pushed me into it. And then as far as, like, finding out, it was just, like, a gradual thing over time. Call of Duty 2 kind of just, you know, I learned about game battles, and I learned about Epic Ladders, and then NX Gamers, and then from there I kind of learned about this little thing called Major League Gaming, and they did Halo tournaments, and I was like, oh, man, that would be awesome if Call of Duty 2 was picked up, and that never happened. And, you know, it just kind of just grew from there, and then and now I'm here. Well... And, and I know I just uh, I think Robski dialed back in and I um I unmuted him. You're on the air now, right, Rob? Hello. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you go. Now <laughs> you sound super clear. I uh, I was just informed that Steve is here. Let me bring him on. Steve, right. what's going on? Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. All right, I know you've probably been listening while you were on hold. Um, you know, I'll jump. I'll jump. I'm gonna jump around a little bit and ask you guys different things. Um, I asked. Alex a little bit about himself and I know that you are multifaceted Steve so you know tell tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself and about you know your involvement in the competitive gaming industry all right well first of all I'd like to thank you for having me on the show and uh unveil uh gaming is uh is basically dri- driven towards competitive gaming in the sense of We've been doing this for a couple of years now, and, you know, even myself, you know, uh, playing in competitive games, uh, fighting games, Street Fighter IV, uh, Marvelous Capcom, things like that, and uh, I've been sponsoring uh, certain gamers, try to get uh, try to get them names out there, and we basically do everything we can to support and sponsor our gamers to achieve, you know, uh, everything they need to. I mean, a lot of times these gamers, you know, they don't have much to work with, and, you know, we try to help them excel in everything they do. Um, in the competitive scene, I mean, we do everything we can in different events and multiple genre of games and different genre of players. Um, besides sponsoring different players like um, BriGX and um, Robski and um, people like Absoluta and uh, I'm Marksman, Noel Brown, uh, DJ Cyanide, and uh, we also um, sponsor a Chosen One. Um, and you know, a lot of these guys have a lot of uh, a lot of talents, and a lot they're very 
you know, gifted people and, you know, we're just here to support the community and everything that, you know, everything that drives all these guys to play games every day. You know, what What was, what got you invo- involved from the sponsorship side of things? Oh, well, I mean, uh, a lot of times guys would start speaking to me asking for help. Originally, I wasn't really into it. <laughs> I mean, um, but uh, we started to think about helping kids and we really wanted to kind of help support the community as, you know, I mean, not even making a profit in the sense of, you know, trying to make everybody just kind of, you know, able to do something like competitive gaming as a as a living or something. You know, it, it's not always too um, reasonable of an idea, but, you know, we try to excel and try to push that for gamers. I mean... You know, so a lot of these gamers come from absolutely nothing, and this is what they do to, you know, help themselves excel in life. And, you know, we really, you know, we support that, and we we love everything about that. I mean, that's really what, you know, this company is all about, and Unveil isn't just about gaming, and, you know, we're about multiple things and and multiple different, um, you know, uh, I would say organizations, you know, between clothing and music, and, you know, we support anybody that has a gifted or talent in mind they just want to expose that's that that's a great concept i definitely want to hear about the some of that other stuff as well and we are going to touch on that and i know um rob is chomping at the bit so rob i know that you do robski tv but you know let everybody know the full story of what you do uh well yeah as Goldboy boy said earlier i am the coach uh me and golden boy have teamed up for many Call of Duties in the past, but myself, I've been involved in competitive gaming for about five years now. It all started with actual a card game. I was actually playing Yu-Gi-Oh! for quite a bit. And uh, that was before I was jumping into the whole Halo scene and doing the local tournaments and just being a part of that. But, you know, a lot of my close friends, you know, with Steven and everything, they're really deep into the whole competitive side of it. I found myself leaning towards the media side of everything, which is how I started Roski TV on YouTube. Uh, basically, you know, just doing unboxings and reviews on the latest tech stuff, gaming stuff, uh, mobile, everything like that, doing giveaways, giving back to the community and everything like that. And it's actually gone a different way from when I started it because I feel like media is more important now more than anything in the gaming and the whole competitive scene. Uh, we've been getting a lot of negative rep in the scene, and I, I think the media way is the best way to, to clear that up and just show everybody what we're really about and stuff like that. So, you know, with Rosky TV, I hope uh, it moves on forward to something else. And uh, Golden Boy and I have actually been talking about something that we're going to, you know, reveal pretty soon, and it's going to be switching the whole Rosky TV up and it's going to be focusing on the competitive side, the pros, the up the up and comers. You know, tips on how to let people you know that don't know that these tournaments go on in their local you know neighborhoods or anything like that. You know, just just to help the scene out a lot more. That you know, it's it's funny because I started I started following you based on you being a gamer. And then as I started watching Robski TV and, and seeing that, you know, we, we shared a lot of the same interests and we realized that you're I, – I noticed that your shift was changing just because there's there's so much going on with, 
with competitive gaming now, and especially with, with Twitter and and Facebook and Twitter especially, I started seeing just huge uh, crews of people representing different uh, gaming gaming teams, and I said to myself, there, there's got to be more to this, but being uneducated in that, because, you know, I play games just like everybody else, just uh, just as a casual gamer, and in going to the DualShockers event and seeing, you know, Golden Boy at work, I said to myself, wow, this is this is a lot bigger than than just what I'm seeing on Twitter. Like there's there's money going on, there's sponsorships going on. So that's one of the prime prime reasons why I wanted to bring all of you guys together because you represent different facets of that. And in your case, I also wanted to ask about the coaching. How does the how does the how do you how did you get into the whole coaching aspect of things and what does that entail? Well, coaching, Golden Boy mentioned earlier, coaching has been around since the Halo 2 days. Uh, it's basically an extra hand in the team. You know, let's say, you know, the captain can't really, not really say control the team, but it just gives you that extra hand. You know, you have the person behind you looking at all four of the screens when, you know, you guys can't at all. It's just that extra person to help you relax and calm down, also help out with any call-outs or anything like that. So it's the coach might not look like a part of the team, but I think it's actually one of the most important on a team nowadays. Uh, with games like that, there's too much going on in the players' minds, and I think the coach is there, you know, just to help them relax and stuff like that. So as my role, you know, I've played the game. I've teamed with Golden Boy. I have that relationship with him. And as a coach, I feel, you know, I'll be able to just be a second hand to him you know, relax and calm down all the other players if they get too frustrated. You know, it's it's just, I'm just overseeing everything that they're doing. So, you know, to as, as hokey as it sounds, you're the equivalent of a spotter for a sniper. Yeah, basically, you can say that. <laughs> you know, and, and to, <laughs> to, to stick with, with that particular genre, you fit that role because you're, but, but here's one thing that I'm curious about when you're doing that. Uh, from the from the competitive side of things, uh, does the governing body approve of of coaches and and allowing these guys a little bit more inside? Like if you say, "Hey, the guy's hiding in the in the third building and he's in the window," like how does that work from that standpoint? Because you know that's it, it almost feels like that's what you would be doing. Yeah, I'm basically just filling in the gaps. You know, uh, let's say you were to die in a match and you know you were just so frustrated that you forgot to call out where you have died from, you know, where the guys are positioned at. That's my role. You know, I'm there to fill in the gaps, make sure everybody knows where the cutoff points are at, where they're spawning. You know, it's just to keep the communication going. Yeah, if, now, I, if I may interject, okay. I'm sorry. Um, so, like, in the Halo 2 days, uh, and even the Halo 1 days, and, and now, more importantly, in Region 3, um, the way that coaching uh, affects the uh, overall picture is uh, you see guys, like actually I want to give a shout-out to one guy who I know he's probably not listening to this uh, right now, but he's so amazing. His name is Mech Warrior. It's this guy that he comes to, like, every local event. Um, like, he, I see him at uh, MLG events, and he's like, you'll know him because he's the coach with the iPad. And he has an iPad that has an app that, he can basically tell you, he's a Halo 3 and a Halo Reach coach, by the way, and he can basically tell you when the weapons are going to spawn. And you see, that's actually one of those dynamics that a coach brings 
through a game like Halo, where like you know all four people have a lot of things going on at that at that same time. You know, like the guy just got a headshot, one dude just died, he's calling out to the other guy, and you know it's just like a lot of things are going on. So it's always good to have that fifth person, the fifth man, that's basically. Uh, saying, hey, guys, you know, rockets come up in two minutes, rockets come up in a minute, you know, something like that. Like, that helps is so much. It, it leaps and bounds. It's it's one of the most useful things. Now, Call of Duty, it's a little bit different because in Call of Duty, there are no weapons to pick up. You know, there are no timings, but, you know, in Call of Duty, you can kind of assist with uh, sometimes you may not see the person in the corner of your screen and, you know, Rob may have catched something that I don't catch. And then he's like, yo, there's a guy over there by the double doors. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even see him. You know, like, and that's, that's something that could be done. You know, it, it's different for Call of Duty as it is for Halo. Um, and you only really see it in team games. And it, I don't know, since I'm not, like, a PC player, I can't say with 100% certainty, but I can't say that from my perspective, it did start with Halo. And it seems like it's growing uh, from there, like the coaching. So as far as your question about it being like allowed and a sanctioned, like a sanctioned thing, yes. MLG actually has a section when you fill out your uh, your uh, team pass that says your coach. And then you put the coach option. You put like the person's username like right there. So, yes, it is actually something allowed at the bigger console events. Like I said, I don't know for PC, but I'm pretty sure it's something that, that is allowed there too. Wow, that's... That's really crazy. See, I, I've always considered it just, you know, the team gets in there and they just play. I didn't even know that you can actually have, you know, to use the term loosely, you know, a spotter on hand and that, and that that was sanctioned. Now, when it comes to the, to the coaching side of things, how, is, are, how are those messages being relayed? Like, are, are you standing there with those guys? Because the other team's going to overhear when you're saying, hey, you know, weapons come up in two minutes. Well, the way, that MLG, the way that MLG has their, their setups and laid out, they're using the Astro Gaming Mixamps. And uh, what you can do with the feature is you can daisy-chain them all together where it just becomes a private uh, chatting system. So all you have to do is just connect your headphone to your teams and, you know, it'll just be you five just talking. Like, we don't – the coach doesn't even have to yell. You know, I can just whisper onto the microphone and the whole team will hear me. That's crazy. See, I've I've started to get a little bit more of an understanding with, with the headsets only because there's so many different types and I don't use them because, you know, I don't, I don't play first-person shooters a lot and I'll tell you guys why, because the online makes me want to put my fist to the screen. <laughs> I, have very, I have very little tolerance. I am, I am, incre- I am incredibly rage-prone. For, for the guys in the chat that had listened to the show consistently, they will tell you. And, and, you know, I will Google somebody and show up at their house with a butcher knife if they get a little out of hand with their shit talking. So, you know, it's like that's why I, if I play the games, I play through them, you know, in our, on a campaign, and I kind of just let it go. But the multiplayer aspect for for those games, I just don't feel I'm disciplined. So, you know, I definitely got to commend you guys for that because I, I, would, I would suck in that environment. Somebody, somebody would probably get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> you walk up in someone's house, be like, "Yo, son, stab right in the face." Yeah. Done. Okay, there, are, there are many times I've wanted to break stuff on my setup, but you realize like you, pay, you paid a lot. Of money, it goes out the window. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. You you buy this, you buy a game disc that's sixty bucks. You get a controller that's fifty bucks. You get a headset. You're looking at one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty dollars. You have your Xbox and your or your PS3, which is like four hundred bucks or three hundred to four hundred bucks, maybe two hundred depending. But like you know, you, you spend a lot of money. You know, like we 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 spend a lot of money for the things that we we use uh, to game. So I definitely do not recommend tossing your controller out a window because that would majorly suck. And uh, if you do throw your game out, throw out, you know, throw out Modern Warfare 2. That's a crappy game. Throw that one out the window. <laughs> you know? So don't throw, out, don't throw out the good ones. There you go. I actually also, you know, I know I know Steve is probably feeling a little left out, but I, I got to ask, and, I, and I'll start with Steve, um, especially because he's involved in a couple of different aspects. How does it work in regards to competitive gamers making money on the circuit? Uh, on different circuits and I would say different tournaments or different major events, it, it it gets broken down in different ways. I mean, in the fighting scene, I mean, there's a couple majors every year. I mean, they go anywhere from ten to twenty thousand dollars in grand prizes. It depends on you know the attendees and how many people they get actually participating in the event. Um, in the MLG uh, circuit, it's a little bit different. Uh, as I know, they uh, they sign their players after a certain point, and then other companies get locked into only product sponsors. So, I mean, you know, everybody still wins in every situation, um, but different events and different circuits are totally different in how they can make money. Um, there are definitely gamers that could look up to other gamers that make a living doing these things, uh, you know, people like Justin Wong or, you know, uh, Diego, you know, these people from different countries, you know, it, it becomes international and there's money overseas as well in different countries as well. I mean, uh, there's always Le Mans in France for, I think, sometimes uh, fifty to $60,000, I think, or even higher. I mean, there's different events for everything. So, I mean, these gamers have an a crazy outlet to make so much money uh, on a yearly basis that every year just keeps getting better. I mean, you know, it's even better. I mean, and that's where the sponsors, uh, I would say like, uh, unveil comes in where, you know, it constantly becomes a little bit harder for everybody to be at every single event. I mean, it, it, it's kind of impossible for every gamer to go to every single event. So, I mean, it's sort of like they have to narrow down their way of going down the circuit circuits or different uh tournaments or different majors and finding the way that you know the best way they can make their uh their their money and then that's what it really comes down to and it's always a business and if it's treated that way you know usually the outcome is always good so you know gamers have to really just find their their way and which which way they want to go and which tournaments they want to play in <laughs> well you you playing street fighter 4 is a, is of particular interest i have a huge contingent of listeners that that play fighting games exclusively, whether on GGPO or you know Xbox Live, and and these guys go hard. You know, it's funny because they whenever like a guy like like Daigo, for instance, or or Justin Wong, they you know they put out their articles about these guys, and it's like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he he's charging 150 bucks to play against him for him to teach you about Street Fighter. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the listeners they'll tell me like, you know, this is complete horse shit. Like, how's this guy gonna sit there and do that? It, it, it's a fucking game, you know. What makes him better than than me and, and wanting to charge 150 bucks? How do how do you guys 
and and I'll go back to Steve. How do you guys go out of your way to erase stuff like that? Because see, that's what I feel has been kind of shining um, a negative light on competitive gaming. That, that I guess some people just believe their own hype and try to become their own enterprise, and it spoils it for the rest of the guys that are out there on the grind. You know, like like Robsky or you know even like Alex. Well, I mean, in, in that in that sense, it, it's something that you, you can't get around. You're never gonna. It, it, it's gonna be. A, it's gonna take a couple a couple of years. I can't say when, but you know, gamers have to understand that it's gonna be frowned upon for a while, and and it's not. It's not something that they can do anything about the 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 understa- understatement or the understanding that people don't understand is that it takes these guys about 30 hours a week of training on one game just to understand the commands and what they're actually doing. Now, if you're saying it's, if people say it's sort of like too easy or lazy or, you know, Oh, well, these guys don't really, you know, they don't do anything. They just sit around and play a video game. Well, in the competitive scene, that doesn't exist. You, you're, you will not walk in somewhere and, beat somebody just because you used to play it back in 1992 and, you know, I used to be good with Ryu and Ken and and Guile and it's like, okay, you know, these guys practice 30 plus hours a week and they study each command over and over again. They study framework and, and they study each individual frame of how punches or attacks are thrown. So, I mean, it turns into even myself, I mean, I, I I play Tekken and Soul Calibur a little bit more than every other game, and those games are totally, completely different from each other. Soul Calibur, Blas Blue, uh, Tekken, all the every single game, Street Fighter, every single one of the fighting games are different in some 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 way. So these guys definitely have to do their homework. I mean, these guys have to study these games just like um, just like a football player or a hockey player or a baseball player has to train. Um, these guys have to train their minds to a whole different level. And, you know, it's understanding the programming. It's understanding the design, the level of, of sometimes uh, adrenaline that these guys get just from playing the game. I mean, you know, playing next to somebody is a little different than playing online with somebody. It's, it's it, it kind of takes your breath away for a second. I mean, you know, you got to have that kind of uh, that understanding that it, it, it's not uh, it's not that simple as everybody might think it is. And if people look down upon the competitive gaming scene, I'm I kind of feel bad about that because you know I, we work hours among hours, and you know we barely get sleep over here because we're constantly working for these guys, and you know they're doing the same thing. You know they sit there and. They literally want to do something that makes them better, that betters themselves. And if it's gaming or whatever it is, it, 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 you know, it should be taken seriously. And, and that's how the competitive gaming scene should be taken, in my, in my opinion. It, it should be taken seriously just like anything else. And, and I think over in due time, I think people will understand that. You know, I, I think that that's, that's, that's the best explanation that I've heard regarding just the benefits of competitive gaming, because like I said, a lot of, a lot of guys will sit there and they'll go, oh, you know, this is bullshit. And you, you validated it because it requires as much practice as anything else that you do, especially when you're getting paid because you have people oh. counting on you 
it's like when you're an athlete, you know, and Nike's paying you uh, X amount of money to go out there and wear their shoes and be competitive. You know, you go down, you get hurt. Sponsorship goes out the window. The same rules apply with competitive gaming because, you know, it's it's a business. Yeah, and no one's going to pay, you know, and that's the same thing for us. You know, we're we're sponsors, and, you know, we we promote to sponsor gamers, but, you know, there is a time where, if gamers aren't doing what they they have to, and it, it becomes like a downfall, you know, it, it 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 becomes out of our hands. They have to do the work that is, you know, applied. And, and the understanding is that we only want to make everybody understand that these gamers are are everything to us. I mean, you know, we literally sit there and we try to think of so many new ways to come up of new ideas and different basically different uh different concepts of how we can get uh you know new new uh fresh faces out there i mean because it's so hard to be in you know the competitive gaming scene because everybody's sort of like you know like you were saying it's either frowned upon but in the gaming scene or competitive gaming scene it's very it's a very close you know and i, I think golden boy and Robski would tell you guys you know it, it's it's a very close click between a lot of guys and you know it, it's it, when new guys come in, it, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to start to, you know, to push off of that. And, you know, with competitive gaming, though, there's so many different outlets and different games that are being in tournaments, you know, that you can actually excel at it. So, you know, I mean, you know, I, I hope your listeners understand that, you know, competitive gaming is is so popular right now and, and it has such a, um, a, a unique feeling. I mean, if you go to an MLG event, I mean, it, it, I mean, when I went to my first MLG event in DC, when we were sponsoring uh, Project X's team with uh, a marksman over there, uh, it, it, you know, it was it was fantastic. I mean, they have a great setup. I mean, they make gamers feel like you know they're in you know a different world, and, and that's sort of where you know the gaming scene is. It, it's a different realm for for very creative minds and, and you, if to excel in it, you, you really have to, you know, understand it. And, you know, there's a lot of gamers out there and there's a lot of games out there. So, I mean, you know, like, like I said before, they have to, they have to pick their, uh, pick their topic and go after it. There you go. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to, to golden boy a second. I know that, that you besides, um, playing competitively, I know you do, you know, color commentary, you do a lot of uh, gaming personality work, and I wanted to ask, um, you know, what, what's, the most, what, what's the most irritating thing about being a professional gamer but also being a gaming personality when, when they kind of meet in the middle and you get caught in one of those, in one of those aw shit moments? You know, what, what's one of the worst things that has happened to you on the circuit? Well, I mean, I can tell you this. It's uh, one of the things that I did want to kind of shed light upon, um, if if you don't mind, just going back one second. Uh, esports as a whole, which is what it's usually called, esports, competitive gaming esports, uh, has a lot of growing to do. It's not uh, something where it's at its peak yet at all. Um, we're seeing right now uh, the PC gaming, which never went away, but it's it's getting a huge boost right now with StarCraft. Uh, which just came out. And for your listeners who aren't aware of what StarCraft is, it's a real-time strategy game. It's one of the biggest in the world. And uh, it's even a sanctioned sport out in Korea. And it's uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. A few of, uh, One of my friends, he's actually over there right now 
working for GOM TV, if I'm correct, or uh, GSL, I, I don't know exactly, but he his job is like bringing the foreigners, and, and my other friend, she goes out there to, to visit him, and, and they're like this dynamic duo of StarCraft goodness, and they, uh, you know, it's just like what they do over there is amazing. Like what GOM TV does over there in Korea is amazing. And everyone's trying to like mimic that same thing here in the United States because StarCraft hasn't really built up to that level yet. Um, well, it, it's getting there. But whatever, what I'm trying to get at is basically that as esports as a whole has a lot of going to do, there are different sections of it. You can play console first person shooters. You could be a part of the fighting game community. You can play PC first person shooters. You can play uh, real time strategy games, sports games. There's even some driving games. I'm actually a, and I always like to say this because it's fun. I am. Uh, I, I won the the regional thing in the uh, for the United for, yeah, the regional championship for Apple Five on the mobile phones for World Cyber Games. Yeah, that's my claim to fame. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, that is uh, like there are a lot of things that you can do. You can break into a lot, a lot of different fields. Um, but you just got to find something you know that fits you. And also, uh. Going back though about the whole it needs to grow thing, like I said, we're not at we're not at any point right now where people can make a full blown living off of competitive gaming and esports as a whole. Only a select few, a select gifted few, are able to legitimately make a living and not have to worry about like seeing myself. I have a full time job, you know. I work for Goodwill Industries and I have a full time job, you know. And there are a lot of other people like me that have a full time job. And their their paycheck pays for them to go to these events, and um, you know. But like I said, only select few have the uh, and and the success story is always this guy Fatality, who is a PC um, gamer. Uh, he is a champion in Quake, uh, I think Quake, a uh, painkiller, and I believe another game. I it slips my mind, um, but he's like one of the role models of the competitive gaming esports because he's like the one who made it. You know, he made his own business, and then you have a guy like Walshie, who's a Halo 2 Pro and Halo 3 and Reach Pro, and he made his own business, and, I mean, T-Squared is a very popular guy. If your listeners watch G4 TV, you probably would have seen T-Squared last year as he was, like, working uh, closely with them. And, like, you know, there are a few people that made it, you know, and that have really succeeded and, and made a living off of this, but we're not at a point right now where we can make money. We we still need more support. We still need people to come out to these these events, play, root on for your favorite players, and you know read things about esports, and you know seek out the ones who have the knowledge. Guys like you know DJ Wheat and Slasher and Sir Scoots, uh, those guys are amazing. Individuals like Hastro and the entire Team Envious crew, Team Fear and Call of Duty. You know even follow guys like Walshy on Twitter. You know like these are guys that you'd want to learn from and, 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 and read things about Justin Wong and the entire EG, the Evil Geniuses team. I mean, there's so many, you know, it's, it's just, it's insane, but the, it's just, it's all there. It's there for you to just get the knowledge and learn. You can even check out, if you want to know more about StarCraft, you can go to Day9, and he, he's like one of the greatest commentators. Actually, one of the reasons why I got into commentating was because I heard Day9 and then I was like, this guy's amazing, and I wanted to get into that, and I wanted to spread the knowledge that I have learned of, about esports and, you know, basically just teach it to everyone and do what I can. Because um, there's no one like that for the consoles right now. You have, like, maybe a few guys, but no one that's, like, as profound as Day9 or DJ Wee or JP. You know, like, these guys for StarCraft, they just they change the game up. And going to your question about, 
one of the annoying things about being a commentator and a gamer is that when you go to an event, you either got to pick one. <laughs> That's always a difficult thing. So it's either you commentate and you don't play, or you play and you don't commentate. The good thing about commentating, you get paid. <laughs> the bad thing about being a, a competitor, you might not get paid. So it's like, well, if you don't win, you don't get paid. Commentator, I get paid. So it's like, you know, kind of a back and forth thing. But I'm also very new to commentating as well. So, you know, I'm pretty sure I haven't decided if I want to do that as a full-time thing yet, like where I just straight up commentate because, you know, why? Maybe twenty. I'm only 23, so I feel like I still have, you know, a few more years in me. And my wife still says I have a few more years in me. So I, she says so, then I could probably do it. Uh, and um, I'm just going with the flow right now. You made me feel super old. You're like you're 23 and then you're out there uh, doing a commentary on gaming. I'm gonna jump to to Robski. I know in, in Robski's case, he is, you know, doing doing the doing Robski TV and also trying to do the the well now the coaching. But in in your in your case, Robski, I know you've you've done it, especially working with MLG when. You're at a sta- at the stage where you're gaming professionally and you're and you're getting paid. How does the and and Steve can probably also share his thoughts on this. How does it go in in regards to getting paid? Like, how are you, you know, filing that stuff? If you got to file it and claim it legally, is it a cash transaction? Are they cutting you a check? How does that break down? Well, I personally haven't won anything to you know sort of like the MLG Pro, like winning the 20 grand. So I honestly can't answer that on that perspective. But working with MLG, we did receive a check. You know, it was it was taxed. Everything was, was legit. You know, it was a working gig. Uh, a lot of these local tournaments, also like World Cyber Games, also mail-out checks, which I believe are also taxed and filed and everything like that. So everything is really you know, legit and you get you get your money. You get paid for it. You win. You know, it's no, what can I say? It's like, um, there's no bad to it. You know, you're, you're promised one thing, you'll get it. Well, if no, I, but it, sorry, well, I just I wanted meant, to, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Rich. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was that in regards to that, are you, like, like that money that you're making, are, are you claiming that? Are you are you claiming it as, as you being a business? Are you an independent contractor? Like, like how does it go with, with, with respect to that? It goes as independent contractor, yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's how it was. That's how it was when I was working for MLG last year. Got yeah. it. When I received my checks for WCG um, as a player, uh, it was not taxed. Um, it was something where you just received like the you know X amount of money, uh, and then you know you just cashed it or whatever. But then they send you the W two. I believe it's a W two. They send you the W two or something like that for you to you know submit in, and um, then from there actually a certain amount is deducted because the money that you cashed in was not taxed. So actually I had like gotten like a thousand or something like that from WCG in total. Um, and it wasn't like tax, so they took a little piece of it away from my tax return. But it's all right, though. You know, it's not a big deal. But yeah, <laughs> it, you do you see. But being paid out has always been an issue with competitive gaming. Um, see, a lot of uh, leagues back then uh, would offer you like these like grand prizes, and they don't pay out. 
um, it has been something that has occurred a lot, and that's why a lot of people are a little shaky of a, when, like, a new league comes up because they may not pay out. Um, you know, but I can say that now I don't think that's as big of a problem as it was back then when you had CPL, which I think still owes people money, and the CGS, which still owes people money, if I'm correct, and they're not even around anymore. So, you know, imagine how those guys feel. They worked their asses off to win a tournament, and they never even got paid. Um, I do know that MLG gamers, they get paid like a month or so after they won the tournament. Uh, so it's not like you got it all like right then and there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my limited knowledge on it. But, you know, I never received a big gas $20,000 check. I mean, I think I'll be really happy if I did, but yeah, <laughs> I think we all would. Yeah. There you go. Well, in, in going to that, Steve, I know you, you, you handle the, the sponsorships, um, you know, I want to I want to ask you know how do how do the financials for that break down, but also um, how do you how do you pick guys for sponsorship or do they come to you? How does that process work? Um, well, uh, the second question it depends on if you know if usually I get a message I get about you know thirty to forty messages a week on my Xbox asking for. Uh, a sponsorship spelt, you know, six different ways or, you know, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of different ways of going about it. Uh, usually we go, we, we usually go out and find people. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, sometimes we'll actually, you know, have a friend or have a, uh, you know, someone say, oh, you know, you got to check out this gamer and we might take an, you know, a look at the person or something like that. Um, a lot of the times people get in touch with me and, you know, I kind of go from there. Uh, if I hear something from uh, about a certain gamer that I absolutely enjoy and love, then I will actually pursue the gamer <laughs> and try to actually sign him to unveil. So that would be the one way or two ways I would go about, you know, sponsoring players. Nice. So, when, I mean, most... When... I'm go sorry, God. No, God. No, what I was gonna what I, what I was gonna say is when when you're soliciting these guys, are you looking to fill spots for certain genres? Like you know, if, if a guy's uh, m more centered on the fighting game genre or FPS, or uh, how does that break down? Like like what criteria are you looking for for stuff like that? Well, for certain gamers, I mean, it's tough. I mean, a lot of guys like to play FPS, and a lot of guys just like to play fighting. So you know, you get a lot of times gamers that are, you know, extremely good at multiple games, like Prodigy X on our on our team and, and so is Absoluta. It's just that they are they can play multiple different games. It, it doesn't it doesn't really bother them. They can actually withhold the information of remembering commands and remembering framework and, and constantly progressing, which kinda of scares me sometimes. But you know, and especially uh, you know, Golden Boy and Robski, I mean they're two phenomenal players. I mean, Robski's a coach. I mean, but you know, even you know, in first-person shooters, I mean, both these guys are absolutely phenomenal because they do their homework and they sit there, like I was saying before, and they actually, you know, get the work done. Um, but when we look for certain players, I mean, you know, we used to sponsor whatever we could get our hands on, and I don't mean that in the way of, you know, oh, we just sponsored everybody. You know, we, we try to sponsor gamers in rock band and guitar hero. And, you know, that was really tough because, 
you know, there's some really good players out there and, and the scene sort of now is dying out because of, of their, the franchise uh, not being around anymore. But, you know, there are still people that play the old games and still compete, but I'm saying in the sense of, you know, in the beginning we used to sponsor gamers in every game, you know, but mainly we used to sponsor gamers just in the fighting games. Now we're trying to um, basically branch out more towards the first-person shooter uh, on the competitive or eSport gaming side of it, you know, so we can actually, you know, get Black Ops and uh, Call of Duty and maybe uh, I think Killzone or you know whatever other game uh, first-person shooter games that are actually being in circuit, you know we we like to see that a little bit more adapted because you know you know a lot of times you know with the fighting you know tournaments you know they're pretty much everywhere every weekend you know in different locations all across the country so I mean there's a big big market for it I mean and there's a lot of room for growth in in both sides of it um, but right now you know we're really trying to just tighten up on the fighting and the, you know, uh, the call of duty teams or the first person shooter teams. So right now, you know, we're not trying to branch out too much, but we are trying to keep everything a little bit, you know, um, tight. Hey, that, that works. You don't want to, you don't want to overextend yourself. And while, while we're on that subject, you know, with E3 coming up and some of now these more, uh, larger, gaming events how has how have they embraced you know the competitive gaming scene you know from your eyes as a as a promoter and as a sponsor uh i mean sometimes you sit there and you you really you really don't understand what you know a lot of times what gamers are thinking i mean you sort of get that idea that you know everybody is sort of playing along with the game you know everybody wants to be promoted the right way and everybody wants to be sponsored the right way and you know we don't want to see anybody get left behind and a lot of times you know we feel that you know we're not doing enough for the gamers and we're not putting enough out there for the gamers and we really want to see the gamers actually progress in you know not only their game but we you know we also want to see them have people understanding and fans and and people supporting them and seeing that they actually can do these things and you know, um, in the future, you know, we've been trying to get our gamers in their own clothing lines and stuff like that. And uh, sponsoring DJ Cyanide and Chosen One, um, you know, that they're they're more mainly in into gaming, but you know, they're they're more about music and they're actually you know using um, Unveil as a platform to branch out into the music world. And you know, we're kind of combining that with gaming. And so a lot of times when I want to see how people look into the eyes, you know, of all the gamers, it sort of just makes me sit there and go, well, you know, I, I'd rather just everybody be sort of um, satisfied and accept that gaming and competitive gaming and, you know, is a, is a, is a business and, and a job just like anything else. And, you know, I, I just, you know, want to see the most progression in game, the gaming community as much as I, I, you know, as much as we can help as well, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a struggle and it, it's tough every day. I, I, you know, as somebody who's trying to grow a brand, you know, especially with the show, it's, I, I know what it's like to spend sleepless nights trying to grow your brand by any means necessary. So, you know, I definitely, I definitely feel what you're going through. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, it's definitely something that's not easy and, you know, and to people out there that are trying to do it, 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 
it, you know, when I first started to try to do everything, I mean, you know, you really, you, you know, you have to have a cause. I mean, if you're doing it for money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. I mean, you have to actually care about what you do. And, you know, for gamers, you know, it, it means everything to me to see them excel. So, you know, I'm just, help, I'm just glad to help. Hey, you know, and you're definitely doing your part. I'm going to jump back to, to Robski and, and Golden Boy because they're, you know, they're in the trenches. And I wanted to ask, how do, how do you, both of you guys, and, you know, I'll, I'll ask Robski first about that, the, the gender division with regards to professional gaming. Do you feel that it's more prevalent or less prevalent now? Uh, as in gender-wise, I believe it's, narrowing down. I mean, we, in the gaming scene, the whole competitive scene, we see every type of gamer. You know, there are a lot of up-and-coming females now coming up and just surprising everybody. You know, I've seen a lot of close uh, friends of mine just out-beating everybody out there. And And it sucks that they still haven't gotten their light in it. And I think now it's the perfect time to do it with MLG, with Black Ops, there there weren't that many uh, female players in Halo as there is in Black Ops. So I believe, you know, there I think there are like five all-female teams going. And I think that, you know, it'll break that little boundary that, that they have there with the gender-wise. There, you know, I... I watch it only because, you know, I uh, when we covered Comic-Con, you know, I saw the frag girls there and uh, the frag dolls, I should say. And it's it's just not 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 a strange sight, but it's just we we've come to a a point where gaming shouldn't be so segregated, especially based on gender. And I and I mentioned that sometimes, you know, it's like you got your girl gamers, you got your guy gamers, you got your gay gamers. It's like we're just all we just all play games. It's like why does it have to be so so honed in on gender and that's why especially with you guys you know in the trenches so to speak you know i I definitely wanted to get your take on that you know because we we all game because we love it you know that's that's what everybody else does when they have a passion you know these guys play their sports because they love the sport they play it's the same way with either a female gamer a gay gamer you know whatever it is we're all in it because we love the games you know, if they love competing as much as we do, they deserve a shot as well. You know, and I the agree. whole deal and the whole deal with the frag dolls, you know, it's showing that, yeah, these girls are, are beautiful, but they also know their stuff. You know, you can hold a full gaming conversation with some of the frag dolls, you know, at a at a PAX event or E three and you'll just be, you know, mind blown. Because it's incredible how much of like geeks and nerds they are and it's awesome. Well, you know, the funny thing is that being able to especially with that with um well, put it like this, with with the frag dolls, I always feel and and they market themselves well. And and I know that branding is is a huge part of that and and I respect that they do that. You know, I I can't knock their hustle, you know what I mean? They 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 they're good-looking chicks and they know that hey, we game, but I just sometimes feel that, especially on Twitter, and, and, and you've seen this, and I know Golden Boy and, and Steve have seen it, the arguments that go into, you know, the girl gamers using using their gender to, to kind of get over and get more exposure than than everybody else. I don't, you know, 
I don't think that's the case, but I also say that if you got the tools of the trade to get over, then fucking do it, you know? Well, um, if you don't mind, it's basically the thing is, the thing is is that obviously women uh have a little bit more of a of an advantage in this over guys. Um I will you know, I will say it obvi- plainly and obviously. Uh, you know, a team of individuals cannot be like if they're like all girls and they they're not like that great, but they're girls and they're marketing. They know how to market themselves really well, you know, because they are women and, and this is like is like uh you know if you if you're in an island and there's like a hundred dudes and like five chicks, five chicks are gonna be like idolized. Hopefully, uh, I mean you know if in like a utopian world, but whatever. But like what I'm saying is just like. You know, they would idolize those individuals because they're women and they're, you know, what I'm just basically trying to get at, you know, that was a bad analogy, but whatever. What I'm basically trying to get at is just women are uh, an untapped resource right now. When there's a girl out there that knows how to market herself, play a video game, get down there and, and compete with the dudes, you know, it's uh, it's good. It's good for business. I mean, because it, it kind of opens the doors, not just for women, but just for anyone in general, like casual gamers that want to, you know, kind of get into it. I've, I've actually been approached uh, a few times before, but actually at the Dual Shockers event, uh, Rich, where, uh, we won the tournament, and then you know I was approached by a few people. They were like, "Oh yeah, you know I just I just play like matchmaking with my friends, and you know I really want to get into this." And and it's like they you know they they want to get into it, like but they're afraid because they don't want to get their butts kicked. No one wants to get their butts kicked. And but if they see, kind of see like a girl do it, then they're like, "Okay, you know maybe I could do it too." That's not trying to knock on women, but you know I'm just getting it out there. I mean, this has been a male-dominated field for a long time now. So it's just uh, it's just the nature of it. But, you know, it's all about how you present yourself, too, you know, because it's also about looks as well. You know, like individuals can come up with, like, a look, and, like, that's, like, like the quote-unquote gamer look, and that's, like, you know, boom, they're marketing right there. Like, you know, like everyone has, like, their style, and, you know, you have individuals that are, like, they try and just market themselves as, you know, popular individuals and, you know, professional gamers or whatever the case may be, and then you have individuals that, are, you know, win events and whatnot, but they may not be that sociable, so you may not hear about them that much, and then you have individuals like maybe myself who really don't win that much, but can actually, you know, talk and, and, and present themselves well. It's all about how you present yourself, you know. It's like, it's a combination of it. It's like, if you win a ton of events and you have no social skills whatsoever, people will recognize you because you're a beast. But if you don't win a damn thing, but you know how to talk real well, then people will recognize you. I mean, I think I'm in the latter category. You know, and that's and that's where the this whole media aspect comes out. You know, there are a lot of guys that, you know, don't even compete but are in the scene due to what they do, whether it's on, you know, Justin.tv, whether they're streaming or, you know, they make YouTube videos or anything like that. You know, they, they do podcasts. They're all known for that. Right, like that's yeah. their that's their calling card. I know when when I used to, you know, the the short time that I had watched W CG gamer, I remember, and and I'm actually gonna gonna call out Prodigy. He, um, you know, he, you could tell he was a New York dude the minute that that you were watching the show. I was watching. I'm like, this dude's from New York. And, and, you know, just the just the 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 way you want to differentiate yourself and make yourself a brand. I, I respect that. It, my my only gripe, and 
I'm going to definitely pick Steve's, Steve's brain on this, is that if, if you're a gamer, you know, don't wear, which is terrible to say, don't wear your tits on your sleeve. You know what I mean? Go out there and play and be recognized for being just that. I just sometimes feel that they kind of throw it out there like, like, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm a girl and, you know, I'm a girl and I play games. And it's like, all right, that's great. You know, it's like you're a gamer. Like, I just feel that the that gender sometimes, and I see it a lot on Twitter, has just become such a such a huge call out uh, on the competitive gaming scene. And that's why I had wanted to ask you guys about that. And, you know, I wanted to get Steve's Steve's take on it as well. Uh, it's like you can't you can't take a side in that. I mean, you know, everybody is everybody. There's always that gray area. I mean, that's how yeah, I've always no thought. I mean, you know, that it, it's just tough to say. I mean, you know, but there are people out there that will market themselves to a point where it's not about, you know, the performance level. And, you know, um, I, you know, I won't say that, you know, people do it to make money. I won't say that, you know, it's, of you know, that's exactly most, you know, definitely a reason, you know, this is what it's all about. I mean, you know, to do these things for free would be impossible on this tight day and era of time. You know, it, it doesn't exist. I mean, this isn't, this isn't the fifties and, you know, this isn't a, a trait. I mean, you know, it it is, you know, a business in the sense of every which way you put it. I mean, and especially if you market yourself as a gamer, you have to understand that, you know, it, it's going to take a little bit, you know, of understanding that, yeah, you're going to have to put yourself out there in a different kind of way for people to actually go, okay, you know, I actually want to, you know, support this person, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody should go out there and wear, you know, flashy clothing and, you know, make sure that they're actually, you know, seen. But, you know, a person's style is every, you know, it's what makes a person. So, I mean, you know, there's definitely people out there that are definitely going to present themselves in ways that get under people's skin or kind of get, you know, people upset. But I think that's just the uniqueness in, in the gaming world and the gaming culture that, you know, I, I kind of came uh, very fond of, you know. And if it's girls or uh, guys, I mean, I don't understand, you know, going back to that whole discussion, you know, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the whole, you know, if, if it's a girl or a guy or, you know, if, you know, they have uh different, um, I don't understand how that comes into, comes evolved, uh, you know, talking about people's uh, sexual preference. I don't know how that becomes, you know, it, you know, if you're a better gamer or not, I, I don't know how that works. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of stupid and, you know, it, it's, it's sort of it's it's sort of dumb and, and you know it, it, you know and that's sort of one thing I wanted to get out there. It's like you know to be judgmental to somebody of who they are. It, it goes back to you know not trying to get you know serious, but it goes back to what have you know what's been going on for you know hundreds and you know hundreds of years. I mean you know to keep pushing that in different realms of business and not accepting people to excel. It, it, it is is ridiculous and and you know it's uh, unhumane and it, it's like you know it's just like you know shunning people out of a world. I mean, you know, understand you know some people are going to be hated because you know certain people do not do things that you know people are too happy with you know or they don't like the way that they present themselves. That's fine, but you know to be judgmental of people's you know gender or you know uh, 
sexual preference or, you know, race, uh, you know, I mean, these are sort of dumb things. And, you know, this is sort of what doesn't allow gaming in itself to excel. And that's sort of something that needs to get, you know, totally out of there. But, yeah, I definitely agree that people shouldn't put themselves out there on a pedestal that is bigger than they, you know, that they are. You know, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that's just how it's going to be. You know, I think that's in every sport. Well, to, to, to you know, given given that extremely vocal opinion and and how you broke it down, to to be successful as a, as a competitive gamer, what do you what do you feel are 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 great traits to help yourself be be different than than everybody else? Because you can have twenty people say they're a pro gamer, but only you know one or two guys get that sponsorship. What's that X factor? Well, at least for you, if if I approached you about sponsorship and three other people approach you about sponsorship, what what are some factors that help you weed out gamers you want to sponsor? Uh my biggest uh I my biggest uh guy guess gripe would be uh learning how to spell the word sponsor. <laughs> I get a lot of messages <laughs> where it's completely different it is like you know uh, I, I, grammar, uh, English. I mean, you know, so, so not to joke around, but uh, you know, uh, it's funny. And, and giving an example, I get questions like, "Hey, man, can you sponsor me?" And it's like, you know, I need money and stuff for capture cards. And I'm like, I don't even know this person. You know, I don't never spoken to this person before in my life. You know, you know, do not know who they are. You know, and, and you know, it, it's sometimes kind of stupid knowledge and and that's sort of the problem like you know um it's understanding everything uh it's having you know the proper way to present yourself um you know uh you know articulate and be uh, you know you know listen to people when they speak instead of just yapping away i mean you know presenting yourself in the best you know proper matter manner is is probably the best way to go about it because you know it, it always goes back to being a business and you know you want to make money in this business it, you know it's always going to be okay you're playing games but you know they're not just going to hire some guy you know you know that's like oh you're great at games man but you know he he, he walks around with no shirt on and you know he's a little bit crazy you know they're not you know that's sort of not going to work and that's sort of where that whole promotion and marketing and the way gamers are looked at, it comes in. And that's sort of why people get upset with it, because gamers have to do things to be a little more unique than everybody else. And when they do it to a point where it's overdone or dramatically overdone, they start to look at it differently. But you have to understand that there's so many gamers out there that they have to make some kind of individual trademark, some kind of individual you know, uh, I guess, you know, stain on who they are. And that's sort of like why this happens. And it, I think that if you're going to present yourself as a gamer or um, or a commentator or any any type of field in this, in this gaming community, I, I would just say that you have to be completely, completely professional in every which way. I mean, there's so much money being moved around in all these different companies that, it, it it turns into like it's a game, but it's not a game. It, it it turns into one serious business, and if it's promoted and worked out right, it, you can excel in in hundreds of ways. And you know, it's just 
the professionalism. It's taking it seriously. It's saying, oh, well, I'm going to Evo this year to go to Vegas, say, for example. Uh, you know, I'm going to play a couple games and, uh, you know, I'm just going to go. I'm just, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm just, you know, that that's sort of what, you know, companies will look at and that's what they don't want. They want these gamers on a constant struggle, a constant grind that they're constantly playing and excelling and pushing their game to another level. And that's what where the sponsorships come in and that's why companies will give you their back, you know, the shirt off their backs, you know. I mean, you know, we we've put everything into this company that we we can. I mean, you know, there's you know, we have pushed harder and 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 excelled at full rate for the last four years, and, and you know, we love everything we do about this. And, you know, we, we see that people respond well to it. I'm not just saying myself I'm in, in general, and, and that's sort of where gamers need to understand that it's not just, you know, okay, I'm going to sign up, you know, where do, where's my money? You know, it's, it's, you know, where's my paycheck? You know, that, that, that's sort of how gamers... In you know that are oblivious to this, they go about it, and it, and and um, I get insulted, and I, I bet Golden Boy and Rops, you get insulted when people come off that way, and and that sort of, you know, it turns into a whole different you know argument, and there's about twenty different arguments online about competitive mm-hmm. gamers and mo- montage gamers, and uh, you know, oh, I make YouTube videos, but. I only cut out the scenes I like, so it looks like I'm, you know, doing my best. And it's like, all right, well, that's kind of cheating. And it's like, you know, but that's sort of not, you know, some gamers do it in in the respective way, and they show exactly how they're playing in matches and stuff like that. And that's where I don't understand the whole idea of, you know, people, you know, not taking it seriously. I mean, you know, that's, you know, the Internet's there. You know, there's hundreds of ways people can find out, you know, information about this kind of stuff and you know it's sort of like i said it's uh, insulting when people just think oh okay i'm gonna play a game i'll record it throw it up on youtube and you know make some cash somehow and it's like that's sort of not how things work and robski and ben golden boy will tell you that that's not how this works <laughs> you know and, and you know that's sort of the one thing i would say for gamers and upcoming gamers is you know be professional and you know Show that you actually care. <laughs> yeah, that's really what you know. What I think these companies actually care about. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. I, you know, just to give you a little background, I do. I do this show. We're we're approaching a hundred episodes. I've been doing this show since two thousand and six. I make zero dough off this show. <laughs> zero. But I. All right. So there you go. You exactly know. You you know that exactly. Yeah, I do. You know, I do it because. People, people like people take joy in hearing my bullshit for three hours. That's number one. Number two, it's a, it's a creative outlet. And number three, I love all the genres that I discuss. You know, I watch MMA, domestic and 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 foreign. Play video games, Japanese, American, a lot of fighting games. You know, watch a shit ton of movies. Watch a lot of pro wrestling. So. You know, it's just a showing an appreciation for the brand, and I think that the whole reason I feel that if you're going to get into competitive gaming is because you love to be, you love gaming, and you know you like being competitive from that from that standpoint. And if some cash comes along, it's great. But if you are coming in there with you know disingenuous intentions and saying, 
hey, you know, like you were saying, I recorded 14 hours of Call of Duty. Look at my, my, my 800 kill streak. You're like, all right, dude, that's not what I want to hear. Because that person yeah. wants an advance, some free swag, and a check. I definitely, agree. I, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and you know, there's certain gamers that do that. And it, it, it's sort of, at this point, you know, after so many years, you know, it's sort of uh, um, disrespectful to certain people. And, and, you know, I don't really take too much disrespect to it. But, you know, it, a lot of guys will, will just expect, you know, free merchandise and free free promotion and free, you know, free money, you know. And, and, and again, I, I, it doesn't work that way. And, and like I said, it's an insult to us and an insult to the community when it comes off that way. I agree. I'm going to j- jump back to, uh, to Roski and to Golden Boy. Um, both of you guys, out of all the events you guys have been involved in, and, you know, I'll come back to Steve with it too, what, what was the, the, the best event that you guys felt was, you know, where you guys can sit back and go, wow, competitive gaming has come a long way. Like, what was that event that that was, I, I guess you could say, the eye-opener? Mm, Colby, do you wanna... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've been a little quiet, you know, like a ninja behind <laughs> the shadows. Um, let me see. Well, um, I actually didn't attend this event, but... Uh, there, there, there's two stories. I'll do the two stories. All right. The first one is when I went to the World Cyber Games with Ghost, uh, Ghost X, one of my best friends, uh, Rachel uh, Salter, she was on Ultimate Gamer, and Shadosha. We were the qualifiers for um, Asphalt. Rob was just edged out in fifth place. I had to throw that one out there, Rob. Sorry. Oh, my God. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was first, of course, because I'm like an ultimate badass. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> with, a, with a cell phone game. Um, but when I got there, the event was so cool. Uh, it was so great seeing like the guys from Evil, Evil Geniuses there and uh, some of the other like you know esports organizations. And uh, but then seeing like these other games too, like Carom. But then I'll never forget when I saw League of Legends. They had a League of Legends show match, and uh, League of Legends is a is a game. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Rich, but it's a PC game that it, they're called arena uh, uh, like arena games. Where if it's like World of Warcraft, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the battling system in World of Warcraft where you will fight in arenas, and it takes yeah, that concept. Oh, so you're familiar with it. So it takes that concept. And it pretty much made it, made an entire game around it. And Riot Games created League of Legends, uh, which actually is a mod um, from a game called Defense of the Ancients, which is a Warcraft 3 mod. But they made a whole game around it. But the point is this, is that I had a chance to sit there and watch League of Legends being played live. Now, I don't play this game at all, but I heard the commentators just going in on it, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. I just saw these, like, purple and pink and green blue colors like flaring everywhere and I just heard people going crazy and then you just see the crowd going wild and I was like oh this is dope and I was like immediately what I thought and then when I actually came up to compete at uh, my station for asphalt I was in the final uh, you had to do like a tournament to get into the finals and I was playing against Shadosha who he beat me uh, you know fair and square uh, he he did nick me at the in the beginning of the race, but you know I let him pass. It's my boy, but uh, <laughs> but like I never forget when I 
played that one, and there was this this giant crowd like around me, uh, like at least like fifty something people just around the station watching me play Asphalt Five on this on the cell phone, uh, and they were watching it on the TV. And I'll never forget how cool it was. And I was like, wow, this has really come full circle. I got flown out to L.A. to play a mobile game. You know, like that was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. And and I and I met some amazing people that weekend, too. And then the, the second story is uh, when I tuned in for to see my friend Trevor play, he was one of the only foreigners to make it past the qualifying stages for uh, StarCraft II when StarCraft II first came out for the GSL, the uh, Global StarCraft League. And he was one of the only foreigners to make it through. And I saw his match, and they had, like, these soundproof booths and crowds, like, like a huge auditorium of people just watching StarCraft. And I'm like, goodness gracious. I remember when I was playing, when I was a kid playing RPGs on PS1, I just never thought that it would get to this this magnitude. And it's, it's an amazing thing. It really is. That's freaking awesome, man! Shit, now it makes me it makes me want it makes me want to have seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sick, dude. It's definitely tune into MLG Columbus. That's gonna go down on uh, June third and the fifth. I mean, it's gonna be sick. Like they're gonna have StarCraft like stream live. They're gonna have Call of Duty stream live and Halo, and and it's it's awesome. Like it really is. It's a it's a unique experience that a lot of people really. Just don't like you need to be there to feel the atmosphere and environment and and, and the adrenaline and the, but at the same time though uh, you know watching it from home is equally as exciting especially when the commentators are like so passionate about it and they go in and then you're just like oh man you know like these guys are just so good at what they do and you know people look at it as you know the the stereotype was a bunch of fat nerds like playing video games now, I'm not gonna lie I ain't no spring chicken. But, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, I don't think I fit the bill of a standard gamer. You know, uh, you know I have a full-time job, I'm married, and, and I do, like, you know, all these other things, you know, and gamers aren't supposed to be social, and here I am on a, you know, talk radio show. So I think I'm doing the right thing, I would hope so. Uh, Dude, <laughs> so, I am the emphasis of, of geek, so I understand 100%. Yeah, I hate you that know, I mean. I mean, me and Robert geeks. I, I'm a geek. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I am a geek. I, I dig Star Wars. I dig Trek. I dig, uh, you know, all sorts of comic books. And I mean, yeah, I'm a super geek. My wife will be the first one to tell you. But I will tell you this: I'm very proud of it. Yes, sir. I just, I just think that, you know, with regards to that, and and you know, I know Robski's gonna definitely share share his, you know, his high point with that. I think that being being a gamer shouldn't be a stereotype, you know, like I like I really I really get angry at some of the stereotypes that they put out there. Like I had a uh, the guys from Gamer Fit Nation on, and we were talking about gaming leading to depression, and you know I heard that, and and you know they, they had they wrote up this this real bullshit hacky article about gamers suffering from depression from prolonged from prolonged gaming sessions, and I'm like that, that's that's insane. Because I'll, it's one of the. I would like the to say something about there. that little right there. Ahead, if you don't mind me, um, actually, when I first started finding out, you know, this whole competitive scene of gaming, uh, I was actually going through depression. I was about six months in depression until I found gaming. You know, I was playing Halo and Yu-Gi-Oh and everything, and then people were telling me all their stuff called game battles and 
SIVO and just all these online tournaments. So, you know, I started focusing more than just playing casually, you know, and just being by myself, like no friends, no nothing. You know, I was unemployed. Uh, I wasn't going to school and I was just home. I was literally depressed and all I had was video games. And to this day, I actually, you know, think to myself, like, maybe if I didn't go through depression, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And uh, gaming has guided me to where I'm at now. You know, everything started online, and I loved it. I love the competitive feel. Even though I was just in my house, you know, I'm, I'm just playing, like, my basketball shorts, you know, talking to my teammates and everything. And it wasn't until I first went, uh, I believe it was 08 uh, Meadowlands for MLG over in Jersey. And as soon as I enter the venue, you know, I see all these stations. I see these sponsor booths. And the main stage was just incredible. Like, I I was in shock and awe the whole weekend. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to be on that main stage. I want to get interviewed. I want to do something. You know, I want to take this passion that I have for gaming and just take it to the next level and do what these guys are doing. You know, so it was it was that point where I was like, I got to do it. And, you know, I started meeting probably my best friends I met through gaming. You know, I've met Golden Boy through gaming. I met Steven through gaming. And it's just been the best friends I, I've ever had. And all these local tournaments are you know, what's keeping my drive to compete there. Because all these MLG events are so separated, about like two months and stuff like that, and, you know, we all have full-time jobs and it's hard for us to travel to everything. So, you know, all these local events keep the friendships alive, keep the competitive spirit alive and wherever you go, like the Dual Shockers event, uh, WCG has events here, and the local scenes now are starting to get bigger. You know, there's there's camera crews now. I remember playing a match in uh, in WCG for Modern Warfare 2. I was so into it, I looked up. I literally had, like, three cameras, you know, around us. There was a crowd around us. You know, it felt great. And ever since then, it's just like I've been striving to do more, to better the community, and just to show that the stereotype, yeah, I've seen a few that fit it, but there are also regular people out there. You know, I, I look at some people that regular, you know, and they can be the most hardcore, even more hardcore than I am in gaming. And like I said before, you know, this whole playing games leads into depression. I guess it all depends on who you are, but gaming can li- like literally save my life. I can, I can, I can relate for that. I shared, I shared a story with with the GSN guys, um, you know about about some shit I was going through, and you know gaming gaming was a great outlet for me, um, you know. So to sit there and and create this, you know, fat kid living in his basement, not not meeting any girls, living his life vicariously through a chick, a female elf in World of Warcraft, is really a, a terrible thing to be associated with, and you know it it, it it's really crazy how. You know, it's broken down to that. Whenever they use it, whenever they want to talk about the, you know, the 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 atypical gamer, it's always you know the fat guy with the with the with the Cheetos and the white shirt in his basement in front of his computer, or you know, with the gaming chair like like Steve Carell in in Forty Year Old Virgin, and it, it it's sad, but 
those are those are stigmas that we definitely have to have to erase. And I'm assuming, based on what you were saying and the experience you went through, that that was your that was your moment where you felt competitive gaming had made it, or was that just a moment for you that that made you enjoy what you were doing? I think it was a uh, I was enjoying because I I kind of knew it was already getting there. Like I've I've learned I saw the history behind it, you know, with the PC gamers and like Fatality and seeing the early years of MLG, it was firsthand experience. That it's it's what changed me and to pursue what I want to do. I already kind of knew. I mean, if there was these online tournaments, I kind of knew that competitive gaming was already up there, you know. But it's nothing like it is now. Like uh, like Steven was saying earlier with the whole sponsorship stuff. I believe it's a little easier because the sponsorships are so out there. You know, you have these huge companies that are putting money into all these leagues, which makes the younger generation think, you know, it's so easy. Like, I can just make money doing YouTube videos. You know, I'll make little montages and stuff like that, make a little chunk change. You know, it it doesn't help us, all the old school gamers that have actually been working to get where we are. You know, people don't know we've been doing it for four, five, six years. You know, and these kids just want to come in, you know, and just start doing little videos or, you know, doing little podcasts and stuff like that and don't know the struggles we all went through and are probably still going through right now. Well, you know, there's 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 a there's a dark side to everything and you know, that that's one reason why I you know, I wanted to do this I wanted to do this and, and talk to you guys, not only because you guys are in that culture, but also just to support local guys, you know, being from New York myself, you know, I try to, to, to focus energy into the guys that are on the grind locally, because, you know, I, I, I know that the, that the cost of living is expensive and especially for, you know, making sure you get the right headsets, the right gear, which is where my next question is going, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard thing to do, especially, you know, investing all your time into practicing to compete competitively and, since, since you know, I was talking to you first, I'll ask you know what's you know what's what's your staples to to prep for some of these events? You know, do you use reg- default controllers? Do you work with special sponsored gear? How does how does that work? Well, I mean, uh, when it comes to when it comes to shooting games, uh, we always want to hear what's going on in the maps. You know, uh, I know with Halo, you always wanted to hear when weapons were respawning. So you always definitely, first thing you should always get is a headset. High-end headset, uh, good quality microphone, and, you know, which is the best one right now for portability in all these gaming tournaments are Astros. And, you know, I just grind it out. With a full-time job, I come straight home, have dinner, and just practice, 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 practice. And it's a little tougher for Golden Boy and I, who do have the full-time jobs compared to some of the other kids out there who just go to school, you know, get home at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and can just play all all day, you know, we have to work a little harder. There, there's times where, you know, if it's a couple of weeks to a huge tournament and we want to do good, we would grind it out from, you know, I get home from work maybe 6, 7 o'clock and don't go to sleep till like maybe 2, 3, just scrimming and going over, you know, your replays, thinking over strategies. Uh, you always have to be mentally and physically ready for a whole weekend of this competitive play. Yeah, okay. and um, allow me to 
jump in on that too. Um, I could tell you a little bit about the preparation and how ridiculous it is because when there was a brief point where, and and this is actually very uncharacteristic of me, where I was unemployed and uh, because I always have a job and I was unemployed and I decided to really get into it more serious than I did before. So what I did was I was actually playing Halo Reach. I was playing uh, under uh, the Last Resistance, TLR, and Cloud, the uh, leader of the team, the captain, he flew out over to New York uh, to, to like, stay with me, and we would practice together uh, on our connection. And then that was, like, a week before the tournament. And then after that, we got ready and we went to D.C. And I can tell you right now that that was the longest weekend of my life. <laughs> like, it was so freaking hard just to, like, play game after game. I was mentally drained. Uh, we played like seven games, um, and when I mean seven games, I mean we played seven series of best of three. So you know we played a, a double that, you know, uh, like somewhere around fourteen, fifteen. It, if it went to a third game, you know, it, it was more. And we, you know, you, you have to play a lot. Uh, so it's definitely a mentally draining thing. Um, and one of the things at that time, our coach was uh, Seltzer, uh, and she was so helpful um, because she was like, I guess, like a professional mas- like massage therapist at one time. So I was getting like the greatest back massages of my life. I'll tell you that. So that did help me a little bit. I don't know if Rob could do that. He he's gonna have to. But uh, at Columbus, <laughs> but you know, bust down the massage, Rob. Let's go anyway. Um, so but the whole thing though is that. It's a mentally draining thing. Preparing for the event now that I'm empo- I'm employed and and I'm married and and it's it's difficult, man. My every one of my teammates are below the age of 18, if I'm correct, uh, or yeah, I believe below the age of 18 or 19. I'm not too sure. And I'm the oldest. And you know they 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 get home, they have their tests and stuff like that. Um, but I, my test isn't you know nine to five every day. I'm I'm working every single day with. You know, constantly. So it's it's and to come home and work more, you know, it's it's tough. It's really tough, man. You know, and the the funny thing is, I I work. You know, I do I do a ten to seven, and the you know I come home do show prep and much much like you guys, and I, I can't even match the level of what you guys got to do. But it's like you got to come home. You you cover four genres. You got to play whatever new games are out. You got to try and play whatever new games are out. You got to try and read whatever comics you can. And there's not enough hours in the day. And I was going to jump to Steve for this, where from you know for planning an event, especially in in your case, Steve, since you're doing sponsorships, how does how does it relate to prepping for an event and getting gear ready? You know what kind of stuff do you take with you when you go to these events? And same thing, you know what. Uh, even even your personal playtime, like what kind of gear are you, you know, is a necessity for you? Uh, in the gear sense, uh, I well, I always play with an arcade stick, so I always have to carry a uh, a Mad Cat's uh, Tournament Edition uh, fight stick. Uh, that's sort of you know what I in the sense of gear and hardware, but in the sense of gearing up for. Uh, when I played uh, for in Tekken uh, MLG DC, 
uh, I, I was practicing about 30 plus hours a week in Tekken and you know and, and like like any of these guys will tell you it, it, it the 30 plus hours like for me it, it didn't mean anything it, it was my first time in a competitive Tekken scene like that I, I like, like I said before MLG definitely makes you feel welcome then and it definitely makes you feel very important in their uh in, in their events and you know it, it's it, it was nerve-wracking and, and i'm not afraid to say that and it, it's very it, it holds a lot on on your nerves and, and playing another person like that it turns into you know um a mind game more or less you know what you remember and what you've trained and you know how much you want it and you know sometimes your mind's going to play tricks on you and you're definitely going to get, you know, your, your psyche sort of screwed up. And, you know, when I definitely played in from experience and, you know, I, I have no problem saying that, you know, the first match, it, it, it sort of felt that way, you know, it was like, you know, you're playing, you know, sort of somebody you never met before and you're sitting right next to the person you're, you know, you're going at, all right, I'm moving forward. You're you're moving into losers round. I'm moving into winners round. You know, you sort of you know you, everybody wants to win, especially when you're sitting right next to the person. Your job is to win. So when you're sitting there, it, it becomes this whole mind game. So I, I would definitely say the the idea of oh okay, I'm sitting at home playing you know ten hours, twenty hours, you know, um by myself playing on home you know at home on you know against somebody online. Is totally different than actually experiencing the actual in-house events, you know, going to an event, you know, going to an event and getting ready for an event. It sort of starts getting, you know, a little, you know, a, a little hectic. And, you know, when you start going to the events as a sponsor, you know, you, you feel for these guys. I mean, you're taking videos and photos of these guys and, you know, you can see they're, you know, a little uneasy at times and they're really trying to focus and, they're also trying to help you out and give you the promotion they, you know, that you need. And, you know, they're being team players and every one of my gamers is a team player. And, and, you know, that's something I don't, you know, uh, tolerate. I, you know, I don't, I don't tolerate gamers that are sort of, uh, you know, going to be disrespectful, you know, especially for giving them, you know, the hand, the hand or the help out, you know, uh, so, you know, we don't want to, you know, anybody disrespect anybody, you know, in any which way, even if there's people spectating, uh, you know, so, but, you know, in the sense of it, you know, it, it becomes overwhelming and, and, it, and it, it, you get very nervous to make sure, okay, you know, as a sponsor, do we have all the merchandise, you know, do we have these handouts, stickers, you know, buttons, you know, whatever we have to give out, you know, you, you have to make sure that you get everything done. And as a company, you, you know, you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Otherwise, you know, you're sort of wasting your time and, and your money at these events. Hey, that makes perfect sense. I just wanted to take a moment because I know that I'm looking at the chat room and it's full. But if but if any of you guys have any uh, questions for for any of the guests, you can call in. It's three four seven three two four three five four one. Again, it's three four seven three two four three five four one. And um, Golden Boy, I just um, it was just mentioned to me that um, one of your teammates is on the line, uh, Titan. <laughs> Love that dude. He's actually he a new, new inclusion on the team. Yeah, ah, he is. All right, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Before, I, 
before I, I bring him on because I'm sure I'm sure he ha- he might have some questions. I, I that was actually my next thing for for both of you guys. When you guys are picking teammates, how does how, how do you guys go about finding prospective teammates? And um, I, I guess you know you could start us off, Alex. Well, um, I can tell you that it's definitely a tough search. Uh, you know, when we had a, it was myself and my other teammate working. Um, we were looking for the right, you know, fit. Um, at one time, you know, Rob, uh, you know, came to the call and, you know, he teamed up with us, but, you know, it was like, it was about comfort. And that was a, always a thing that I, I'm always preaching. It's like whether or not you're comfortable and the teamwork is there. And, you know, it wasn't working out with Rob and uh, Prince Fire, and he's a great guy, Prince Fire. And, um, you know, so then uh, I'm helping out Rob to, like, you know, get even further and become great because I believe he has an immense amount of skill, in, uh, specifically in Call of Duty, since that's in my play and right now. Um so that's why, like, I offered him the coaching role because I felt like he has all this ability, you know, but I don't want to lose him as a as a player. You know, I I think he has his talent. He could really be an asset to our team. So and he was more than willing to take it, you know, to take that role. And he was uh, – and I, I'm hoping he's excited for it. Uh, <laughs> you better be. Anyway, um, but, but, like, as far as uh, when we when we came across our other two, our new teammates, Titan and Historify, um, you know, I was told great things about both of them from uh, my teammate working. He was like, oh, they're great guys, and, you know, they really uh, they have a great passion for the game. So when, you know, I met these guys and, and just overall, like, how they are and how they act, and, you know, I just felt like, you know, real comfortable with them. And we just recently started – uh, picking up our our, our scrimming and, and practicing against good teams. And, you know, it's a bumpy road, but we're getting there. And I feel confident with these two guys going into Columbus that they're the right fit with me and, uh, with me and working. And um, it, it's definitely a tough search. It's all about comfort. At the end of the day, it's all about comfort. So, yeah. Nice. And uh, what about you? me, I've, I've never been – on Golden Boy's side, where I'm usually, you know, the I take the role in trying to find the teammates. I was always the one going into, you know, teams of three or teams of two. I was just always thrown in there. I was never starting my own team and stuff like that. And it always came down to the chemistry of the team. You know, everybody has to get along. There has to be that sense of being comfortable with each other. You have to be comfortable with each other's play style. You know, just everybody has to be on the same page. You know, everybody has to be committed. You can't just be a team of three that are committed and one is just there, you know, just, you know, on a good day and then slacks off the next. You know, there always has to be everybody's on the same page. Everybody's committed. Everybody's doing their part in the team. And you just have to keep that chemistry. From my role, that's that's how it always it's always been for us. Hey, you know it, it, it's crucial. I mean, we we have a, a stable of writers for for the site, and you know even for behind the scenes for the show. Like regarding the show, it's myself. Slick does all the behind the scenes production. I do all the editing, and then we have a, a great group of, of of writers that fall under the same mantra that we do. You know, just you know, just anti-establishment, I guess, and. Um, 
you know, we do shit on G4, so if you guys are sponsored or involved with G4, I apologize. We shit at them uh, at length on this show. <laughs> so I just, wanted to put that, I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, just in case you guys are familiar, sometimes they're, they're um, the way they do things definitely gets under my skin, but that's, that's a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> let me, uh, I see that Titan is holding. He may have a question, and since he's a teammate of Golden Boy, we'll see what he has to add. All right. Not much, I'm sure. I'm kidding. You there, Titan? You're on the air. Yeah, hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? So I hear you're Golden Boy's uh, teammate. What do you have to... uh, yeah, well, dude, uh, I don't. I don't really have many questions, dude. But I just thought I'd I'd come in, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool, dude. You guys got here, but uh, I wanted to add in that Golden Boy's an amazing leader, and uh, we haven't really played a whole lot. But uh, I feel that going into Columbus will be underdogs, just as my team was going into Dallas, and uh, we could end up doing big things with enough practice, and hopefully we get all this stuff rolling pretty soon, and. Uh, Really excited to play with him and work in the... I honestly didn't know... I'd, I'd honestly never heard of either of them until History brought him up, and he said they're both really good players, chill guys, and and uh, asked him for me to join on that roster with them and play, and easily the the coolest dudes that I've ever teamed with so far, so I've been playing for about three years. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no and, and, and if I may add in, Titan... Um, he went to MLG Dallas, where uh, the first MLG event for Call of Duty, where I believe he placed, what was it, Titan, uh, ninth or? Yeah, yeah, uh, ninth. Eight, yeah, ninth, and he is in, he like is in the pro player uh, area, if I want to put it like that, because in, in, uh, in Black Ops, you are, you start to receive like uh, an increased amount of pro points around the uh, 1 to 16th area, um, and 1st to 16th, excuse me. And, you know, Titan, he's actually a, a pro player in, in Black Ops, um, you know, just off of the first event. Him and uh, his Dorf, I believe, got 17th, though. He, so he's just outside. But uh, he, uh, but they have uh, pro points. And, and it's interesting that the way it works, because going into um, Columbus right now, the way that it currently is standing, um, another level is going to be going in as the number one seed in the open bracket, which... Uh, and that's all because of Historify and uh, and Titans uh, Pro Points, not me and working because we didn't go to Dallas. Um, so you know, going into Columbus, you know, we will be number one in the open bracket, not in the championship bracket. It, it, the brackets are very. I still don't understand them, you know, but I can tell you that uh, you know it's a yeah, good it's thing confusing. that we're going in first. Yeah, it's confusing as hell, but um, so yeah, like you know, Titan and, and Historify definitely add a lot to the team. Uh, not only with their pro points, but also with just their overall knowledge of the game and, you know, just their charisma and their attitude. And that's what you look for. You know, when, when you, if any of your listeners out there that, you know, you think that you, how, how are you going to go about making your team and signing up on game battles, you know, like just get your friends, you know, get people you're comfortable with because it's all about comfort. And, you know, just have some fun playing some game battles matches with your friends. Or even if you play Call of Duty, there's a competitive playlist there. So you could just grab three of your buddies and hop into the competitive playlist, excuse me. And that is 
that's the least imbalance. If you play Halo, you can play in the MLG playlist with your friends. And it, it's all about just, like, learning, you know? And over time, you'll learn, and, and you'll see how the way the way the game is played. And, and you'll be like, oh, you know, either you like it or you hate it, you know? But it definitely you can't takes knock time. People. Yeah, it takes time. But, you know, you can't knock the people that um, that do it. You know what I mean? Like, just respect. That's all it is. Exactly. It makes sense. I um I have a question and it's funny because it was it was brought up in the chat and um it, it's a it's a valid question and uh, I'll start with Steve first especially because he he's involved also on the on the competitive fighting game circuit. Steve, what what was the what was the worst level of trash talking you've experienced and you know how 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 bad was it and and how to the brink of doing something silly were you? Uh oh, you mean like an actual event like? No, no, I, I, I have a, I have a very big problem with being way too nice about when I lose, and <laughs> I, I don't really get too upset about those sort of things. I, I get a little more upset when I see stuff about my gamers or something like that. If I see something, you know, talking about them online or videos and stuff like that, I get a little more upset about that kind of stuff. <laughs> but in competitive games, you know. And the fighting games, yeah, I mean, you get mad. I mean, but it's more mad at yourself. I mean, if you're going to start throwing stuff around and getting upset, I mean, there's always situations that are out of your control, uh, you know, and, you know, there's always situations that are beyond the camera's eyes, I would say. Ah, okay. Fair enough. What about you, Robski? I'm a pretty chill guy. I mean... If you're in the competitive scene, you have to be able to take the trash talk. I mean, gaming isn't gaming without a little, you know, smack talk back and forth. But as long as both teams and the people involved in it uh, don't pass a certain boundary and just keep it, you know, still kind of friendly and, you know, just say the the GG, the good games at the end, that's all that matters. You know, we're all, we're all having fun. Yeah, we're trying to win some money here and there, but... It's also about respect and showing off the community. So I, I'm, you know, if I pull off something crazy in the middle of a match, I might talk a little shit, you know, might, you know, just do some stuff. But it's always about respect <laughs> at the end. All right. And if I enough. if I might jump in there um, a little bit on the trash talk, the, uh, you know, the the thing that I tried to work on the most besides getting better with the team is the team that I went into Dallas with. I have to say it was probably the most immature team that I've ever witnessed. Uh I mean we were good, but the three players on the team that I was with, they couldn't they couldn't make smart decisions. They talked a lot of trash to each other online and you know, it's obviously a lot different when you get into uh get into the event. I mean, nobody really talked a lot of trash, but um you know, I kind of made it a point that I would be respectful. I, you know, online I was real respectful of all of the players we played, all the teams, no matter how good or bad they were. And uh, going into Dallas when we were there, you know, after every game, win or lose, I'd go and shake the other team's hand, everybody, and, you know, tell them it was a good game and usually end up talking to some of those people afterwards. And just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tra- trash talk on a game like this at an event and stuff, it's just stupid, especially if it gets, gets to a point to where somebody will get in trouble because, Enough of that will get you kicked out of every event for the rest of Black Ops. So you got to kind of watch what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. I I agree. And my my perspective on it is, uh, you know, I actually have a no 
trash talk policy. Um, <laughs> I I don't like it. I don't I don't respect it. You know, I I never talk trash, but I oftentimes do get overly excited, which has been. <laughs> something that has been pointed out to me. So, for example, at the last WCG event, I had an amazing three-piece and then a flag cap. Three pieces, I killed three people, and then I captured a flag all on my own. So I got out of my chair, and I just started screaming like a madman. Oh, yeah, I did that, man. I remember doing that at Dallas. Yeah, and it's awesome. You just, you just, you like, because you you just feel like you just, like, King Kong ain't got shit on me. Like, that's literally how you felt, you know, and... So, um, but that's what I do, you know, but, uh, like, as far as, like, talking trash, it's, it's, it really just boils down to this. Go ahead and talk trash to me online. Go ahead, bro. Do whatever you want. When you see me at the, at the live events, right, and I come up to you, I'm like, oh, hi, how you doing? What's your name? 14-year-old, you know, X-23 sniper, whatever, elite? All right, yeah. All right. Look at me now. Talk trash to me now. Do you like it? No? Does it, does it feel good? No? Like, that's, that's what I do. You know, because that's how I roll. Okay, I'm I'm about developing relationships with people that I play with. You know, if I talk trash every single person I played with, I wouldn't be anywhere near. You know, I wouldn't have the great relationships that I do um, with a lot of these peak uh, players and whatnot. You know, like I said, I have a strict no trash talking policy. Um, I, I with my teammates with in, in just in general. Uh, you shake your hand. You shake the other the opponent's hand at the end of the game. Win or lose, win or lose, be pissed off afterwards. But you shake that person's hand no matter what. And most importantly, you always, uh, always are a good sportsman in the game and out the game because these are values that you can carry on with you throughout the rest of your life. If I talk trash to people online, what does it say to me as a person? You know, in general, you know, like it's just. It just says that I'm I'm a child, you know, and I don't want to be perceived as that. So yeah, that's my take on it. That's, that's the um the the last the last question I just looked. I'm like, damn, I kept you guys on till till one o'clock in the morning. Um, Michael in the chat brings up a, a good point about per- performance enhancing stuff. You know, Adderall. Oh, I was caffeine. hoping you asked this. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. And, and and you know what uh, you know working out I you know I competed competed in powerlifting in high school trust me I've seen people do some some crazy shit so I can understand that but you know since since you were super stoked to answer it how does that how did how do you go about using performance enhancing drugs on the gaming scene please please enlighten me and I've you never heard of that. that yes it is actually something that does exist believe it or not. Um, uh, what, Michael, I think, I don't know his full name in the chat, he mentioned something about Adderall, and that is something that is used um, often. Uh, and basically what it is is that you, when you take it, it calms you down, it focuses your, your mindset, and it makes you just chill. So one of the things that was pointed out was that the national championships for Halo 3 not last year, but the year before that, a team called Believe the Hype won. And I don't think I've ever seen people, like, if I won a national championship, if I won 25 grand, okay, and it's 25 grand per player, by the way, 
I probably oh, yeah. would have yelled and screamed and like called my wife and just like been a madman. I would have been like, Oh my god. Oh my god. Like I would have just freaked out, okay? Then again, that's just me and my Hispanic nature. But I can tell you that these kids got up with absolutely no like no uh reaction. It was like one oh. guy was. One guy had a reaction. Uh but the other three, they were just like, Yeah, cool, you know, chill. Maybe it wasn't sinking in on them, but a lot of people were saying that a lot of Halo players use those kinds of performance-enhancing drugs. There's actually a documentary. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but I do remember that there was a documentary about competitive gaming, and they had kind of touched base on the whole drug use. It does happen. You know, it does happen. People do use these kind of... uh, not, I wouldn't say performance-enhancing because it just calms you down. Because when you're at an event, you're, like, really shaky and you're nervous and you're like, what am I, you know, like, just shaky. You're you're just not yourself when you're at home. Um, but uh, but when you're at a live event, you're, you're it, it's just, it's bananas. So I can understand kids doing this. I can understand people taking these drugs. Myself, I've never used it before. Um, I don't think I ever will because right, that's just ridiculous. And it's just a waste of damn money. You know, I could have bought a bag of chips with that money. But no, it's that I bought Adderall. So that's I just, my I just feel like if you have to take something, you have no purpose being up there. Yeah, pretty much. Make... Excuse me. Pretty much. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's fucking madness. I, like, I've heard of, of PEDs being used, you know, mixed martial arts, professional yeah, wrestling. I've... Oh, I've man. never heard of it for gaming. I mean, that's that's yeah, an addiction, and that's an addiction in itself. And then you throw on something that could potentially harm you physically. I mean, oof! I, I, it's just crazy because for Adderall, that's the, you know that's prescription level narcotics, but. The, the fact that you're using it in such a, a casual atmosphere is just a recipe for disaster. No doubt. Yeah, oh, it, it's kind of crazy. It but it happens, you know. It happens, and you know, it's just it's something that you know. I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to get to a point where it's uh, too much because I can tell you right now. I mean, it may help your nerves out, but you still got to get that shot. So, I mean, I don't see anything you know fixing your thumbs. You know, if you still suck, you suck. I mean, that's just a fact. Like, if you can't aim the gun, you can't aim the gun, and then that's it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it would be funny to one day walk into a, a big tournament event and then everyone has to take a P-test. Like, that would be absolutely hilarious. Like, I think that would be a time right If it ever right. got to that point, dude, I, you know, that's that's just when gaming's gone too far, man. You know, it's all, I mean, gaming was was made for entertainment, not for... You know, and eventually got to the point where MLG and stuff, but there, if there's people on there doing this kind of stuff, dude, I mean, it's just, that's when it's gone way too far. That's when you need yeah, to take yeah. a step back and make sure you're not getting into that. That's a trip, man. Yeah, but I I, I, I did want to, you know, I did want to touch on that because I know that, that that was a first for me. And I said, the, you know, I, I appreciate Michael in the chat for bringing it up because that's, that's some wild stuff. But, um... That's that's pretty much it, boys. We are we are good to go. So, um, I'll start with I'll start with Steve first. Um, any shout-outs, plugs you want to get out of the way, Steve? 
Uh, I just wanted to give a couple shout outs uh, to my gamers, uh, Prodigy X, uh, Absoluta, I'm Marksman, uh, Robski, obviously. Uh, I also wanted to give shout outs to DJ Cyanide and Chosen One. Uh, also, uh, we just uh, were working with our new DJ, DJ Sincere. Uh, he's one of our other DJs that we're working with in Unveil Music. And uh, my affiliates over at ConusCorner.com and uh, our other affiliates over at SFX360.com. Um, that's basically it, man. That's awesome. You, you um, Steve, you know, you, you guys were great. And um, I'll let you other guys get your, your plugs out of the way. I just wanted to tell Steve, you know, I appreciated you coming on. You know, that, that's Thank really you very much, man. Thank you very much you for having a, me on the show. You got an open door, man. Whenever you guys got an event or something coming up locally or whatever, just, just hit me up and, you know, we'll work something out to get it promoted or get it mentioned at least. Because, like I said, we have such a, a huge gaming contingent. Like, if you go into our forums or even on our fan page and you drop the word Street Fighter on there and, and say, who wants it? You'll you'll get you'll get a, a good amount of, of listeners that are that are high on on fighting games. So definitely, you know. All right, great. I, well, thank you. Awesome, uh, Rob. What about you? Yeah. Oh well, I just want to say you know thank you to you for letting us be on the show tonight, and a uh, big thanks to also Unveil Gaming and all the gamers on there. They're like brothers to me. Uh, Steven has been more than a sponsor. He, he's been a friend. Uh, Golden Boy, Ghost, uh, two of my best friends that I met from gaming. Uh, probably also a shout-out to uh, this all-girl team called uh, Pink. They are uh, playing in Kitchens, I think it's called. Uh, they'll be competing at Columbus, so big shout-out <laughs> to them. Um, and uh, just... Uh, Shout out to DualShockers.com and SFX360.com, uh, two websites that helped me get started in this career and have definitely helped me out throughout the years. And uh just want to say that, you know, if there's anything that you love and you want to pursue something, do it. Uh, don't let anybody doubt you, you know, put you down or anything. I was doubted many times for just pursuing gaming and, you know, look at me now. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that wish, you know, they were in my shoes. And I just say, if there's something you love, go for it. Hey, I respect that, man. I, you know, I, I admire you for, you know, sharing a little bit about yourself regarding how you got into gaming. You know, that's that's huge, man. And you know, I appreciate you sharing that with the listeners. And um, you know, Rob, Robski TV on YouTube. Keep an eye out on it. You know, you got yeah, our support. Uh, you know. YouTube.com slash Roski TV. It's R zero B S K I I T V. Uh, stay tuned for the next level of Roski TV. It's going to be something really cool between me and uh, Golden Boy. And uh, also follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Roski. There you go, Golden Boy. What about you? I know, I know. You, you know, you're 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 big on Twitter, but anything else you want to promote? Well, um, I don't. Uh... You know, I, I work on a lot of little things and help out a lot of people. Um, but I would tell you that, uh, you know, I have been working on something with Robski. We we are going to be – it's actually a, a group effort with multiple people that are completely and 100% passionate about esports and video games and, and tech and just the culture of it all. 
and I would, uh, you know, really hope that, you know, when I launch it, everyone just goes and check it out because uh, I'm real passionate about it. And, you know, it's difficult to get things going when you're so as, as busy as I am, but I do I do the best that I can. Um, and I would like to give a shout-out to my team, Another Level. Uh, they are awesome. The best three, best four guys, because Rob is a part of that team as well, uh, ever. Um, I, I love them to death. They're the, the coolest people. And uh, that that roster would be uh, working, Historify, and uh, and Titan, who was who has joined us, and and Robski's our coach, and I'm the captain of the team. And um, I would also like to give a shout out to the two people. Actually, I would like to say four people. I've doubled that list who have really propelled me into the media aspect of gaming. Um, the first and foremost is Michael Hurdle from Raw Gameplay, who has just he was the reason why he, I actually got my first interview with him. Uh, I interviewed Major Nelson at the Modern Warfare 2 launch event, and it just kind of put me in a completely different path that I had never knew of before. I was just a dude who loved playing video games, and then I just became a dude who liked to interview people and play video games. So it kind of went there. And then Jason Barbosa, who's a, one of my closest friends, um, he was another one, a guy with a camera but he just believes in me. Uh, Rachel, uh, uh, Seltzer, please, on Twitter. Uh, she's awesome and, you know, is another source of inspiration as well as her boyfriend and a close friend of mine, Trevor Houston, who, you know, they both have taught me so much and given me so many great breaks with Cyber Sports Network and, you know, and Beyond Gaming and all that. Um, then I'd like to also say, you know, thanks to my two closest friends, uh, Ghost X and uh, Rovsky, who without them, they're, they're just constant sources of inspiration for me. And a big thank you to you. Dude, you freaking rock. I mean, thanks. come on. This show is dope as hell, and I'm definitely just loving it. You know, like, I I, I didn't even know that, like, stuff like this existed. You know, <laughs> this is so cool. You can have a radio show online and people just calling. I mean, come on. That's just... That's just the dopeness right there. So thank you so much. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'll always promote your stuff. Always. Thanks. I appreciate uh, it. Uh, yeah, Titan, you know, you popped in. I know you're on a team. There's anything you want to promote? Man, I'm not really uh, – yeah, there is. I'm not really affiliated with uh, big-time names like y'all are with the gaming and all that other stuff. But uh would like to give a shout-out to my team, Coach, you for doing this show and allowing me to come on. Um, all of my friends and family that support me with my gaming that I've been doing for the last three years, and um, all the listeners that are out there that are listening to this show, that's what makes it happen. And um actually uh, got a buddy that I started playing with in GBs the other day, and he's actually real cool. His name is uh, Rusky, and uh, another real chill dude. And just love meeting chill people online, man. It's a lot of fun to play with. Yeah, and oh, I just it. wanted to say one more thing, Rich. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I feel like I, I cursed myself with this, but I also need to give a shout-out to my wife because... Oh, no harm in that. I... She's, <laughs> she's just our shit. the reason. Yes, yeah, she, and she might be listening in and thinking, why didn't you give me a shout-out, you <laughs> bastard? But here you go, honey, here's your shout-out. So thank you so much. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, Again, guys, thank you, thank you very much for for taking the time to, you know, educate the listeners on esports and on competitive gaming. Like I said, I, you have clarified a lot of things for me. There was, you know, I came in to this, in, to do this interview with you guys. I was a little apprehensive only because 
I, you know, I've only seen one facet of it, and while I saw a different side of it at the Dual Shockers event, that was one of the motivating factors to want to get you guys on. You know, I'm really glad it all came together, and you guys have our support. You know, whenever you guys are doing events and stuff, just drop us a line. We'll, you know, we'll drop a plug out there for you guys and help all of you out in your respective endeavors. So, again, thanks. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, you Have too. a good night. You too. Have a good night. All right. All right. You've just heard Robski, Titan, Unveil, and Golden Boy on My Take Radio. You can get their respective links in our show notes later on this evening and also, well, later on today. And also when I do our MTR Rewind post, you'll be able to see all the links there and you'll be able to follow them on their respective websites and Twitter accounts. Again, you know, I'll be 100% frank with you guys. I was very apprehensive. I came in very uneducated to the competitive gaming scene just based on some of the casual shit I've seen out there. You know, just a preconceived notion I would even use. You know, and I was enlightened and I learned a lot. Again, me personally, for those of you that are listening that want to get into competitive gaming, definitely drop Robski or Golden Boy or Titan or even Unveil a line or even Prodigy X as well. Drop those guys a line. Pick their brains if you want to get into it. Hell, get a couple of games in if you're feeling competitive. I think that um, you know it's a great evolution in gaming. Gaming's come a long way from the days of just you know pouring pouring alcohol on a Q-tip and cleaning a Nintendo cartridge. You know now gaming has a uh, an outlet where you can make serious money whether it's through sponsorships or even just from competitive gaming. And like I said, I, I was very educated on it, and I, I appreciate those guys for stopping through. Um, I know there's half an hour of show left. I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that um, that I didn't get a chance to, and usually, as is the case when I have guests, it's, uh, you know, it'll, it'll get covered next week. But I do want to give a shout-out to... Um, are you know one of my past guests, Amazing Red. He's actually going to be wrestling for Chikara Pro um, May, next Sunday, May 22nd at Union City, New Jersey, part of the Aniversario from Chikara. So definitely check that out. It's him and Los Maximos involved against the Colony, and also there's a lot of great matches from Chikara as well. Um, Ultraman, Ultramantis Black, Hollow Wicked, and Frightmare are going to be fighting Simbodi. Um, Obarion and Kodama. Also, Eddie Kingston is on that card and Grizzly Redwood. You can get all that information. I believe it's at ChikaraWrestling.com. Actually, ChikaraPro.com under the events tab. If you'd like to attend that event, it's going to be in Jersey. Also, New Japan is actually going to be doing some shows here in the U.S. MVP from from his WWE days is going to be wrestling. Uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Their first show is this Friday in Rahway, New Jersey, with the uh, Strong Style Thugs, Homicide, and Low Key. They're going to be wrestling against the legendary Jushin, Thunder Liger, and Tiger Mask 4. Also on that card, um, Charlie Haas will be on there. He's going to be competing against IWGP champion Hiroshi Tanahashi and uh, Toby uh, Mikami, and also Rhinos on that card, and Okada and MVP Dan Moth. Just a, a great matches from New Japan Pro Wrestling on Friday the 13th. Saturday, they'll be wrestling here in New York City at Basketball City. Um, a couple of matches haven't been an- announced yet, 
but the IWGP belt will be defended. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Charlie Haas are going to be the main event. Also, uh, Prince Devitt and Loki is going to be the junior heavyweight champion ma- championship match on the card, and you're going to get the IC championship tournament semifinals as well. So definitely great events from both from two very awesome promotions, so definitely check them out for New Japan Wrestling. I give you guys the website, but I fucked up and didn't put it in my notes, so I apologize for that. And um, on the gaming front, I just want to go into some NGP numbers. The number one selling console was the Xbox 360 with 297,000 units. PlayStation 3 came in second with 204,000 units. The Wii had 172,000 units, and the Nintendo 3DS had 194,000 units. Those are the uh, sales units for April. Mortal Kombat was the number one selling game on the PS3 and the 360, followed by Portal 2. Lego Star Wars 3 was number three. Call of Duty Black Ops was four. Tiger Woods PGA was five. Crisis 2 was six. Just Dance 2 was seven. Michael Jackson's The Experience was eight. Pokemon The White Version was nine. And NBA 2K11 was number 10. Um, Xbox Xbox sales, including hardware, software, and accessories, have reached $310 million, which is the highest among current generation consoles. Xbox is killing it right now. Um, one thing I, do, I did want to touch on with, with the MPD numbers is that Mortal Kombat actually outsold Street Fighter and Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I think part of it was the nostalgia push behind it. I've been playing Mortal Kombat on and off on PlayStation 3. It's a solid, you know, it's a solid game. It, it's a really great entry into the series. I've been enjoying it, and I just feel that the PS3 with, with Kratos, with the inclusion of Kratos, and just the controls for fighting games, even though I have the adjustable cross controller on the 360, I just feel more natural to play it on the PS3, and I was very surprised that it moved that many units. Not that I didn't think it would be successful, but it was um, just an eye-opener for me. And I'm jumping around a lot only because I don't have time to play the transitions because there's only 20 minutes of show left, so I want to just touch on a couple of different things. On the movie news side of things, I wanted to talk about a a movie that Will Smith is going to be working on with Quentin Tarantino uh, called Django which is a spaghetti western. Will Smith is going to be playing a role of a freed slave who teams up with a German bounty hunter played by Christoph Waltz to take down an evil plantation owner and reunite with his slave wife. Um, One reason I wanted to discuss this is because there's a lot of heavy racial undertones in this movie, and it's going to be a project that I honestly feel is going to be a coming out party for Will Smith only because he's acted in so many genres and made the roles his own that going into a Tarantino flick, Tarantino's known for writing roles specifically for actor for certain actors that are involved. So reading something like this, it definitely is, has gotten my attention. Um, rumored to be attached also is Samuel L. Jackson and also Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were offered roles, but they turned them down. Um, like I said, Tarantino does su- such strange, eclectic films that when you watch them, you either really love them or really hate them. Every movie of his that I've seen, uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, Inglorious Bastards is a, is a great example, are just, are just solid films. And seeing uh, Christoph Waltz back in the, in the mix, especially portraying a German bounty hunter, I think that his, his work as Hans Landa was fantastic. 
you know, even it was Oscar worthy. So, but he was just he brought that smarmy, dickish vibe to the to to his overall role in that film that he really impressed me as an actor. And I wasn't even familiar with his body of work. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this, and I'm going to be um, discussing it further in, in coming M- MTR episodes. In some what-the-fuck movie news, i got to bring up Brendan Fraser, because he always seems to be attached to some of the shittiest movies. And if I were his, if I were him, I would find my agent and club him to fucking death. Uh, Brendan Fraser is set to star in a 3D adaptation of the story of William Tell. Obviously, Brendan Fraser will be playing William Tell, and it's going to be based on a historical family action adventure. Uh, It's, um, you know, he did really good with the Mummy movies, and it sucks because Brendan Fraser is actually a solid actor, but he he makes some really shitbag movies. And William Tell, especially in 3D, like, I, I can understand if you want to do a family picture, but the dependency on the 3D crutch is, it, it's just mind-boggling. It, it's, and it's probably not even going to make any fucking money, much like his other, uh, like, Furry Vengeance. You, you guys want to see a real piece of shit movie? Watch Furry Vengeance. I've taken shits that are more entertaining than that movie. That movie makes a great coaster, or possibly even a great, uh, dish to feed a cat because it, it's it's absurd that anybody really saw that movie because it was really terrible i uh, oh yeah that, um bedazzled was definitely another gem but i can't shit on that movie too much because liz hurley was was solid in that film so uh, yeah it, it was shitty but, but yeah elizabeth hurley was all right in that flick uh, here's uh another crazy thing. Last week, there was a huge uproar, and Slick actually called in regarding another Terminator film. Much like I said last week, Arnold Schwarzenegger will be reprising his role in the next Terminator movie, which will be directed by Fast Five's Justin Lin. He actually gave a little bit of information regarding this new Terminator film, and he said that this new sequel will be an entire original cast and not any of the previous cast members from other movies. There were rumors that, you know, Michael Bain and Linda Hamilton will be coming back. Justin Lin denied that. He says, no, I don't know where that came from. Everything has just been between me and Arnold, just going out and trying to find the right partners. I have certain elements, but it's never been about, hey, let's bring everybody back. I just don't process that way. He hinted that the latest film could ignore Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and Terminator Salvation. So... While, you know, the sequel, I, an interesting fact that I talked about a couple of episodes back, we're going to see from Hollywood at minimum 93 sequels in some shape or form. 93. That's when you know that, and, you know, I talked about this with Spill Bag of Ice when he was on during our MMA panel. It's really become Hollywood just taking ideas, putting, putting them on post-its and sticking them on the wall. Because... The fact that you're that there are 95 possible sequels to anything is beyond me. It, it, it's it, it's disgusting that people can't sit there and come up with original ideas. It's either sequels or raping and pillaging comic books, which isn't bad when the comic book movies are done right. But the oversaturation of comic book movies has me very very concerned. So Hollywood really needs to go back to the drawing board and find original shit. Because right now, you got 
Thor, Green Lantern, Captain America, X-Men First Class, and Priest. You have five superhero and comic book-based movies coming out in a short span of time. I guarantee you that Priest will probably be passable, but it's not going to make nowhere near the money that all these other movies are making. And while it'll probably, it'll probably be well done, it's just destined to fail only because there's so much other shit out there. It's like, go see Thor or go see Priest. You know, for those that are uneducated, especially with some of those, with some of those comic books that go under the radar... It's it's not happening. It's not happening. It's and I feel bad because I've been hearing decent things about Priest already from a couple of people that did you you know some test screenings. They were like, "Hey man, Priest is a solid flick. It, it it's a throwback to what Blade was, the first Blade film." And it gives me a little hope. But the uh, but the sheer amount of comic book flicks that are coming out in such a short period of time are just going to populate the market where people are just going to be torn and no money's going to be made by some of the smaller films. That, that, that's, you know, that's, that's the breakdown, and it's really sad to see. In referencing Thor, Thor, of course, fucking mopped up in the box office this week, number one spot, $66 million opening weekend. It uh, made $16,688 per theater. It's the second biggest opening weekend of the year behind last week's Fast Five. The film has made $133 million overseas. It has a worldwide total of $199.4 million, and it had a budget of 150 Once again, if you're going out to see Thor at any point, stick with the fucking credits. Don't leave. Fast Five obviously was number two. It had a uh, 62% drop. It's made $139.9 million domestically, 251 worldwide on a $125 million budget. So you know that there's already going to be a fast six, so don't, don't kid yourselves. With this amount of money that they made, it's a no-brainer. Jumping the Broom was number three. Something Borrowed was four. Rio was five. Water for Elephants was six. Tyler Perry's Medea's Big Happy Family dropped to number seven. Prom, I don't know what the fuck that is, fell to number eight. Soul Surfer was nine. And Hoodwinked, which I didn't even know existed, was number ten. And the last two bits of movie news before I wrap things up is that they are obviously rebooting the Tomb Raider film series to coincide with the reboot of the Tomb Raider game. As such, many people are asking who will reprise the uh, spandex-wearing, the tank-top spandex-wearing role of Lara Croft, made popular by Angelina Jolie. And um, my verbal miscue is from the Monster Energy drink wearing off, so I apologize. Originally, earlier this week, I heard that Olivia Wilde was being considered for Lara Croft, but she quickly dismissed that rumor. Um, when asked, she said, as far as I know, I'm not playing Lara Croft. One person, though, that has expressed interest in portraying Lara Croft is Jamie Alexander. If you're not familiar with Jamie Alexander, you need to watch Thor because she played the character of Sif. She has suggested, she has actually thrown her cap out there saying that she's interested in doing the role. Her statement is as follows. I've obviously been hearing about a Tomb Raider reboot, which I think would be pretty awesome. Anything that's very physical, I would love to pursue, especially Lara Croft. She says, I'm not going to try and be Angelina Jolie. She's her own woman, and she did a fantastic job. If that, opportunity, if that opportunity arises for me, then I would put my own spin on it. There's no way I would try and copy what she did. I think that's a huge mistake with actors and actresses 
who are trying to take on a role that was previously done by someone else. Originally, it was rumored that Megan Fox was going to be portraying Lara Croft, and she quickly dismissed that rumor. But, you know, Megan Fox has such a full plate of completely shitty movies that she's doing that, you know, she was too busy to do Tomb Raider, which is fine because I think she would have sucked. But uh, Jamie Alexander, I think, would be would be very good as Lara Croft. She's a, she did a really great job as Sif in Thor, and, you know, she, she, she meets the requirements and the resemblance to Lara Croft to, to fill that role. Let's not kid ourselves. Hollywood looks at it as, all right, we need a chick with big tits that can look good in shorts. Any semblance of story that they're even thinking of concocting is going to be complete and utter shit. It's going to be super transparent. It's, it's, it's sad, but it, that's the way it is. They're going to be like, okay, how does she look in a tight tank top and shorts? All right, put these on. You're hired. There, there's no, there's no acting choices. You know, there's no lead choices based on true acting ability. It's about whether you can, you know, fill a nice set of shorts and a tank top. All I have to tell you guys is think of Blood Rain and how successful that was. And I use successful super loose when I refer to that movie because even though it was, you know, a cheesy flick, it, it was totally about, hey, we're gonna cast this chick because she's gonna get naked. Let's not kid ourselves. And the last bit of movie news to close things out is The Expendables 2. Um, I actually posted the poster on our Facebook fan page. is actually starting to come together, and they've released a plot synopsis, which, you know, sounds about as cookie-cutter as you'd expect an action flick to be, and it's the following. Um, they're talking about the pretty much the synopsis focuses more so on revenge, for the death of the character Tool, which was played by Mickey Rourke. Um, he's brutally murdered on a mission, and his comrades swear to avenge him. But he's not the, you know, they're not the only ones, obviously, that are out for revenge. They also are going to focus on Tool's beautiful, young, and wild daughter, Fiona, who is also on a, on a revenge mission, and she's going to get captured by a ruthless dictator who's planning to destroy a resistance movement. So, you know, of course, shit gets blown up, people get shot, and, you know, catchy one-liners get thrown out there. It's, it's, it's as formulaic as it's going to be, and I'm telling you guys, any of you guys that didn't like The Expendables because you thought the story sucked, just read that cast of characters that was in the first one and ask yourselves, any movie have they been, that they've been in, has it been Oscar-worthy? Absolutely the fuck not. So if you're expecting some sort of, of a uh, renaissance action piece, Get the fuck over yourselves. It's 90 minutes of shit getting blown up, possibly some nudity, and a couple of really decently choreographed fight scenes. Once you accept that, buy yourself some popcorn and have a seat. Because I, I thoroughly enjoyed The Expendables because I knew exactly what I was in, in, in line for. It was a, a, you know, a culmination of every shitty Cinemax movie I've seen growing up and bundle that with every mainstream action flick involving the respective parties that were in that film, period. Just accept it for what it is. But if you're, but if you're in there saying, you know, I went to see the fucking Expendables and it sucked, please do yourself a favor and kick yourself in the dick. And if you're a girl, just, just drink some Drano. Because the fact that you'd even entertain Oscar-worthy filmmaking from Sylvester Stallone Stone Cold Steve Austin, Randy Couture, and Terry Crews means you are a complete jackass. Maybe from Jet Li because he's done some really great epic 
movies, but from those other guys, absolutely the fuck not. And um, in some TV news, for those of you that give a shit about Two and a Half Men, Charlie Sheen is being replaced by Ashton Kutcher. So trucker hats and cougar fucking is something that gets you noticed, it seems, if you're Ashton, because you know what? Obviously, subpar romantic comedies are definitely not his strong suit. So with that, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Next week, I will be joined by the Hip Hop Gamer, and we're going to be talking about all the work he's doing in the gaming community, as well as some of his gripes in regards to being a gaming journalist. And you'll be able to tune into that next week. He'll be calling in around 11.30 or so, and you can listen live, as always, on MyTakeRadio.com or on our Blog Talk Radio page, blogtalkradio.com slash MyTakeRadio. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 91 for Thursday, May 12, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest, have any questions or concerns, you can just drop me an email at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow me on our show account, which is My Take Radio. And the Twitter account, my personal Twitter account, I changed. It's no longer Akuma25. It is actually... Um, MTR underscore rich. So MTR underscore rich is the personal account. The show account is My Take Radio. If you're on Facebook, become a fan if you haven't already. Facebook.com slash My Take Radio. And in the wasteland of MySpace, MySpace.com slash My Take Radio as well. And if you want to keep My Take Radio with you at all times, look for our apps on the Android Marketplace or in the iTunes Store as well. It'll run you $1.99. You can have the show with you at all times. You'll get access to exclusive content, which we'll be starting next week with our interview series. So if you'd like to also be involved in an interview uh, for our app, for the exclusive iTunes app and the Android app, same thing, drop me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you later. Peace. Taking us out this week will be the Bare Knuckle Blitz by Will Rock from ocremix.org. You can get that on the Heroes and Villains of Fisher soundtrack on OC, at ocremix.org, or you can also download the album from their site. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.